everyone, and welcome back to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, episode 32. This is reviewing The Girl Who Knew Too Much, episode 309 of the current season of Teen Wolf. In case you didn't hear enough from us with the three episodes we released for you last week. Um, as usual, you can reach us on our Twitter email or Tumblr, which is natwpodcast at twitter or natwpodcast at gmail.com or our tumblr is notanothertainwolfpodcast.tumblr.com and as usual me and karen are our regular hosts this week and for the review this week we are joined by a guest star and one of my favoritest podcasting friends in the whole world mitch clow who started with me on glee chat and is now the podcast manager for all of hyperville so hi mitch hi you're making me blush over here special (laughs) well yeah um mitch is yeah if if you know mitch from any other shows what are you currently doing on hyperville i'm doing poke chat pokemon obviously Mm -hmm. uh glee chat and now rewatchable and i'm also the video games co-writer cool and Karen and Mitch hung out at Comic-Con. You went to the Teen Wolf panel as well, right? Oh, I was just... <laughs> Karen, please describe <laughs> in one word how I'm I acted sure. during the trailer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I grabbed his, like, we grabbed each other's hands <laughs> because we were like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. I was clutching <laughs> to Karen for dear life. I can't Yeah, not. yeah, we were. <laughs> so, yes, I'm a Wolfpack member. I'll give you that. <laughs> So, yeah, one day we'll all have to actually hang out in real life, because I've hung out with Mitch, but and Mitch has hung out with Karen, but I haven't hung out with Karen, so next <laughs> year, maybe. weird hangout love triangle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's enough fun and games before everyone gets hurt with this episode. So, 309 basically saw um, the reveal of what Lydia is and also the reveal of who has been doing the sacrifices so karen do you want to sort of take it away with the synopsis and then we'll get into it sure the synopsis reads allison thinks that someone close to her is involved with the murders while scott and styles want to use lydia to solve the murders it is revealed what lydia actually is and why she is consistently drawn to the supernatural I'm going to ask some questions about that when we get through the thing, because (laughs) I'm not sure how much was actually explained. But anyway, we'll move on. (laughs) As usual, we do our favorite sort of quotes, whether they're like funny or meaningful or clever from the episode. So, Mitch, do you want to go first with your quotes from the episode that you picked out? All right. So my first quote is, find me first, Ethan. That is pretty obvious because Dethan, to me, became a solid ship in the show um, in this episode. And that moment, I think, just melted my heart down to a puddle because I believed for the first time that Ethan was a good guy. He really did care for Danny. He was fixing his hair. He was giving him a product placement, you know, it was just, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was, they were so cute. I was really surprised by that, like, Aiden and Ethan interaction about Daddy earlier in the episode. Like, I was really like, whoa, okay, this is, yeah. and then, yeah, I mean, we'll get through it, but a lot of, I'm I'm such a, such a fan of Ethan now, and like a lot of what everyone said to him, I, I loved, and, and he's so cute, and I just want <laughs> Danny to be okay, and, 
Yes. And yeah, there's yeah, I think that we probably have some points here about Ethan. Um and yeah, I just oh it's Yeah. <laughs> we all squeed together and, and it was it, gorgeous. And I knew this was an important line, you know, this is such a forehead smacking mm-hmm. moment. But when the hashtag came on the screen, I was like, All right, that was meant to mean something a lot more than the passing line. Okay. Mm. That's sal- that that's why I was like well, you know what? The hashtag sells it. They're, they're a real ship. It's not fake. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of all things, yeah, the hashtag confirms it, okay? <laughs> and then, what was your other one? Oh, of course. This is the best one of the whole episode, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm psychic, Lydia. You're psychic, Jennifer. I'm something, Lydia. Ah! Oh, I love her. She just... Uh, ask Karen. Okay, when we saw... <laughs> Okay, I'm not too good at actor, actor and actresses' names, y'all. So please, mm-hmm. no one put me on a skillet. But um, Holland, yes, yeah. I got her. <laughs> when we saw her in real life, I was just enamored by her. I didn't even know how much I was enamored by her until I saw her, though, in real life. It, like, it just kind of hit me. And I saw her, and I just didn't realize that she looks as camera pretty as she is in real life. And that she holds herself in as intelligent of a form when Lydia is not being stupid in real life, you know what I mean? Like when Lydia is not playing dumb, that is Holland. If you ask me. Mm. And I, I just loved seeing Lydia in real life. I felt like I was like right next to her. It was just insane. <laughs> so ever since then, ever since Comic-Con um, these past two episodes or so, I've just been, you know, so glued to my television screen whenever Holland's on screen. And this scene was just so great where she, screamed that I'm something because that was needed. I needed her to finally just like, I don't even know, like publicly get angry about this. Cause all this stuff just happens to her in public and she has to try and hold it in. But I mean, I don't blame her for getting sick of it and just screaming that I'm something, you know, I love too how that was sort of like a full circle moment because that's exactly what style said to her. He yelled at her, you're something. Mm-hmm. And I just, I kind of love how it, it mirrored that moment from an earlier episode. Hmm. Speaking of Lydia, Karen, do you want to do your quotes and maybe swap them around in the order? Because I I think that it ties in well to the one you have with Scott. Yeah, the um, I didn't write down what Lydia said, but this is when they were in the auditorium for the music thing. And basically Lydia was like, you know, I have to be here. I have to figure out what's going on. I want to find somebody before they die to hopefully have, you know, give somebody the time to save them. And Scott just sort of says, you get me the time and I'll do something about it. And I loved it. I loved the fact that Lydia was stepping up to the plate. I loved the fact that Scott was stepping up to the plate. They held hands and I didn't see anything romantic about it. Yeah. I saw it just as friends and how trusting they are of each other now and, and how much they're helping each other and working as a team. It was just really beautiful. Yeah, I really loved that hand-holding thing. Like, I was like, um, you know how a few episodes ago, I was like, are Lydia and Scott even really friends? And it's kind of like one of those situations where you're stuck together, like, doing this crazy stuff. And you become so much closer than you realize. And we haven't seen any private, like, Lydia and Scott interaction in a long time, and I really liked it. Like, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm sort of really into it. And I was I was made very, um, yeah, it just felt very strong on both of their parts. 
Yeah, I agree. And um, I uh, agree that this is nice to kind of see them, like you were saying, Natalie, in the moment where they realize they're in this situation together. Um, the only part that I slightly differ is, yes, I did see a spark, a spark of romance. And the reason I saw it was because I felt cornered to because of the um, Isaac and Allison. Um, Allison. Yes, yeah, okay. I can see what you mean. I can see. You know, what because you mean. I feel like our four leads now, <clears throat> or fourteen leads, I suppose, mm-hmm. are all kind of pairing up, and it, it just would be weird to not have Scott and Lydia at this point to me. I don't know. Is that weird to, of me to say? Like, I feel like Team Wolf's a show that needs its ships like that. I'm, totally, I'm completely forgetting about Styles and replacing him <laughs> with Isaac. That's <laughs> I, horrible. I do see what you mean. He's reserved for Derek. That's it. I do see what you mean, but I'm not 100% sure what they meant by it. I think this show mm. tries to do a lot with, like, the power of friendship, and but there's been a few moments that I'm not sure whether they're meant to be romantic and stuff. Like, all the stuff with Styles and Cora, I can't work out if that's meant to be it's romantic. It's everywhere. I mean, but... I would be really interested if by the... I mean, we've seen that kiss between Lydia and Styles, but we, we know it's not necessarily romantic. Like, it's... Mm. I don't know what exactly the situation's going to be, but, like, I'd be really interested if by the end of the season the pairings were, like, Scott and Lydia... Because I said Scott's going to have a new love interest this season, and we're like, who? What? How uh. is that going to happen? Uh, Scott and Lydia, Isaac and Allison, and then Styles and Cora. I'd be really interested in if that was, like, what we ended up with, but I'm not 100% sure... Um, at the moment with Lydia and Scott. I, I just need to know um, for real if everyone he, with me right now on this podcast thinks it's somewhat possible for Steric or if that's kind of like a season two dead and gone. Because for season three, it seems like it's kind of not been teased at anymore. It's not even been like somewhat alluded to. But that just makes me feel so sad for Styles in comparison to everyone else because – I mean, I know Derek gets like broken relationships and, you know, his girlfriends die and et cetera, whatever. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't have nice things, I know. Um, but it just feels like um, Styles has just been way too alone for way too long. And I yeah. don't see that, like you were saying, I don't see the kiss being anything special between um, Lydia and Styles. So I'm just, I don't know who, who he pairs off with or if he's just better off on his own. Is, is that okay? For- I think that. It is okay for a while if he were to be on his own, but I think he will be paired off eventually because he's a fan favorite character and everybody wants to see him with somebody. And as of right now, like, I mean, honestly, just kind of coming from this, from an objective point of view, I think if Steric were going to happen, it is leading in that direction because how many times is Derek going to be let down by the women that he hooks up with? I mean, we had Paige and Kate and now Jennifer. Well, and now it's going to be and- like, you know what? Women. Women is the problem. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, seriously, I could see it happening. Yeah, I could see it happening. I mean, I would never... The thing about Steric is the fact that Jeff never set out to write it, you know, and the fact that if it does come up, it's always going to feel a bit like, oh, this only is happening because the fans pointed out to you that it could go Mm -hmm. that way. So I'd really want it to be in a way that could work for the characters. Uh, I mean, I don't think at this point in their lives, like, that... Or, you know, or in the last two seasons of their lives. Like, I don't think that Styles was secretly, uh, you know, in love with Derek the whole time or whatever. Like, I, I don't I don't think that. I, I think that there is a small, small, small possibility 
with his kind of like, oh my God, reactions to like Derek getting up on him, that if he is meant to be bisexual, that he might have had a small physical crush on Derek. But I don't know if that's what we're meant to be seeing. But there is the potential for it to go to a place, but I don't think that they think about each other this way. I think if Teen Wolf goes for like five seasons or something, it might be like a fifth season um, or fourth or fifth season twist where they kind of build up together. And, you know, they've definitely got to get to the point. This season is the first season where they're all really getting to the point where they are kind of like everyone in both packs is kind of like we are friends and we sort of trust each other no matter what. We're on the same team. We're not like still fight all fighting with each other. So Mm. I don't think that like they could like fly into each other's arms like any second, but I think that there is Definitely, they keep, you know, I, I don't know how many times they're going to set Derek up and knock him down in regards to women, but, yeah, I mean, it definitely... Yeah, I, I think that there is potential with this show for anything, and I yes. think that if Jeff is like, oh, I actually do want to explore that char- that chemistry now that I've thought about it, that he could find a way to make it work, but... Well, Natalie, to bounce right off of where you're going, mm. I can see a couple things, Um and one is the confirmation of Styles' bisexuality through that Danny Derek bedroom scene. And then also that um, REP, he's just going to hold that antic card up. He wants to um, do what I know a lot of people complain about, with not even just Team Wolf, but a lot of different shows, where um, a straight character who says he's straight or a bisexual character will have gay undertones in the show itself to kind of draw in an audience, but it will, it won't come to fruition in an earlier season so that people want to watch later on. So I'll go back to my first point. Um, the reason I thought that that was confirming styles bisexuality was because to me that confirmed that possibility of steric. And the reason I had behind that is because it felt like it was written in to set up steric when, you know, Derek was um, reprimanding Styles later on, and um, he was like hitting him on the head on the on the steering and wheel, like, right? And he was like, "What's that for?" And he's like, "You know, like, yeah." Exactly. That was, was that, that was flirty in a little, in a in kind of funny way, but it was flirty in a funny way, and it it just it hit me as something that guys flirting would do to each other, and um, yeah, like I was just saying, like I feel like it, it, if anything, that Jeff's just going to hold that as long as he can to keep on you know, drawing in the steric references on Tumblr and the popularity of that name. And then people are trying to find out what that is that draws them to Team Wolf. I mean, it's just, uh, if you ask me, marketing. I don't know if I agree because I think that it kind of pisses them off a lot, actually. Um, I mean, oh. it, yeah, it, it is, it is, it has been a really big, um, obviously, draw card, but the steric stuff is kind of like, it's been a problem for like both. Jeff and, like, the the guys on the show, like, not, again, I'm not going to, like, sit here and be, like, you know, like, with Supernatural, where they are, they're clearly playing up to it, and then they say, like, you know, oh, of course we're not. I, I think that Jeff, especially when he wrote season one and two, definitely didn't think about it. Like, he, he didn't, he didn't think that he was writing it in that way, and then he, I think that they were quite surprised that people gleaned that from it. They thought it was just, like, funny funny comedy like not necessarily because the point that at that point with like Derek and Danny and Styles it would be flirting if it was two people who were like friends with each other but they were not friends at that point they were like legitimately kind of enemies like they thought Derek was mm. 
you know, a bad guy. And there was, like... They thought he was the bad alpha. All that kind of stuff. Like, so it was, you know, it's... The the fact that we know that Derek is, like, not a bad guy is one thing, but the relationships between the characters was, at that point, like, Styles was, like, scared. Like, it wasn't necessarily as flirty as we take it to be watching it on the screen. But I do... Number one, I do get it. But as far as, like sort of doing it to draw people in, no, I think that he's actually been avoiding, like, the steric reference stuff because he is a bit, was overwhelmed by the fandoms, kind of like, because you get people being like, like, if you don't make this happen, I'm going to stop watching the show and all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of the steric fandom were very badly behaved and it, that was kind of a big reason that he sort of left Twitter and I do not think necessarily that he is trying to, um, you know, tease the fandom with that because they haven't treated him very well. I think if he was going to do it, it would be because he had come to like the idea and he would spring it on, you know, he wouldn't be like, ooh, this might happen. He would actually surprise people. And the last thing I have to counter that is that in season two, there are two distinct scenes that pair up Steric in a if not sexual, like a pseudo-sexual means. And one is the pool canima scene and where, you know, Styles has to keep Derek afloat mm. um, as they're both floating in water, which came off as a little, little bit homosexual to me. It had an undertone. It didn't have all the way of like a steric scene to me. That was that was that was that was um that was like the sprinkling. But the real the real big punch to me still is that he had Steric laying down on the floor, disabled by the canima during um matt's rage in the police station so to me that was um that was the last thing that jeff's really done that's solidified that he wants steric to have you know some credence in this fandom and that's why i'm a bit frustrated um and i'm not like a hardcore steric fan to the point where i'm just like oh i better go get jeff on twitter you know what i mean but i i um i feel like he might have been unjustified slightly in saying that the fans were getting too rabid because there, I mean, I know there's a level that they crossed that was wrong, but there's a, there's a point where um, if you're writing in scenes and you're not admitting that those characters are potentially going towards that direction, it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, why are you writing in that type of scenario where they're both lying down to each other, even though, you know, they're, you know, hotly, a hotly contented ship, you know, but that's the thing at that the time scene... he wrote that they didn't, sorry, go on, Karen. No, 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 I was going to completely agree with you. That scene in specific, like, specifically, They Jeff didn't know said, that it was a ship. It was meant to be, like, yeah. funny, like, these two people hate each other. It wasn't meant to be, like, like, they did not know. that The fandom did not make itself really known until after season two started airing, and that was written way before anyone even shipped Steric. Now like, in season one, no one <laughs> shipped it, but, um, but they did not know. It's meant to just be, like... People who hate each other and and Styles like mildly scared of Derek and Derek annoyed by Styles. It's meant to be like, oh, like how stupid. And yeah, if that was a girl and a guy, maybe you'd vibe it differently. But that's just like a problem with our society that we, you know, there's there's no reason why we couldn't have viewed a girl and a guy doing that kind of um, platonic, you know, pl- quote unquote platonically as well. Like it's, you know, we like you're saying Scott and Lydia are nowadays, right? Well, I don't know, but. Then, if like if that scene had right. been between Scott and Lydia, I wouldn't have read anything into it romantically at that time due to their relationship at that time. I don't know where Scott and Lydia is going to go right now, 
But, right. you know, or if it had been like Allison and Styles, if you know what I mean, if that had happened to them at that time. But, the, yeah, the Styles and Zarek scene definitely wasn't meant to be like a romantic tension thing at the time, for sure. And is it better for you guys if I just get all my shipping feels out of the way in the beginning of the episode so I don't have to <laughs> rant later on? Because I have one more, and I'm just using my five minutes of fame on Team Wolf podcast to get them out because I've been biting at the chomp to talk about this with both of you guys, and I've always forgotten. Okay. Skyzik is very steric in that Chinese food scene. You're going for Chinese food. All right. <laughs> with and the Scott and Isaac stuff is definitely more on purpose than the... Thank um, you. Oh, I'm not crazy. Oh, you're so good. Yeah, Jeff <laughs> has been like, I really like them. to get Like, I don't know. The, the, the Scott and Isaac stuff is very, like... I don't necessarily see it as romantic, like they're doing it. But I think what they're trying to show is that Isaac is like... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a bit, like... I'm going to get a bit, like, deep here. But, like, I think what they're trying to show is, like... I mean, it, it is going to sound a bit more kinky than I mean it, but it's like a dom, it's like a dom <laughs> sub thing. It's like they are trying to show that Isaac wants to be Scott's beta, and Scott Isaac is incredibly submissive to Scott and incredibly dependent on Scott and and made incredibly happy by Scott's approval. And yes, of course, that comes across as romantic, but I think that it's meant to be to do with the fact that Isaac wants to mean something to Scott in the sense of a pack. Um, that comes from his father, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it comes from yeah a lot of things about his personality, but initially his father. But yeah, I think that he's definitely meant to be shown as very needy about Scott, and I think that that's why. And awesome. I mean, in a wolf pack, you know, maybe you know, in a werewolf pack, maybe everyone all cuddles together. I don't know. Maybe it's all <laughs> very like that. Maybe people don't pair off in a properly functioning wolf pack. Maybe everyone, you know gets together i don't know we don't know what jeff thinks but i definitely think that isaac yeah is very very needy about scott and it's shown on purpose in a very like i want to please you i want to submit to you kind of way very well put yeah i agree though that makes sense yeah wouldn't it be funny though if isaac was like cozying up to allison just to ask her hey would you mind if i went out with your (laughs) ex-boyfriend god i want I, I wouldn't mind, like, that's the whole thing, like, this whole episode is, like, turning into, like, the shipping news, but, like, the, um, well, that's the, a few things, like, number one, Jeff on, like, Tumblr a few weeks ago, like, people were like, oh, I don't want this Scott and Allison love triangle, like, wouldn't it be more interesting if they were in, like, like, a polyamorous relationship, and he was like, yeah, it would, I don't like love triangles either, or whatever, and I'm like, is that what you're gonna do, because that would be, like, again, like, not a hugely big deal, but something that had never would have never been shown on TV before in a way that wasn't like, oh, what a slut, she's dating two guys, as opposed to, like, everyone being cool with it and it not being that big a deal, if you know what I mean. And secondly, I think Posey recently said, like, oh, there'll always be love interest for Scott, whether it's, like, another girl or a man or whatever, and it's just like, oh, okay, yeah. okay, Tyler Posey, right then. So <laughs> maybe it's going to be, like, the Scott, Allison and Isaac like, not a love triangle, but they're all just going to be like, oh, yeah, this is my boyfriend's, or this is my boyfriend and my girlfriend, and it's going to be like, eh, no big deal, what of it, you know? <laughs> Should be, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in Team Wolf world, and, like, has, they're in a different universe. They're yeah. in, I mean, we can never forget that they're in the universe where um, easily Jackson hangs out with Danny, and 
homosexuality is not an issue. So who's to say polygamy isn't, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that... It would be very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely something that, like, society has more of a, like, that's wrong kind of instinct towards, but that everyone involved is, like, fine and not, like, jealous or possessive that people can do. Like, not in like, oh, I'm casually dating people, but they're like, oh, yeah, I have, like, a boyfriend and a girlfriend and I guess that's fine. Not that I can say I'm speaking from experience, but apparently people make this function, so, you know... We'll I trust them it. that they can. If they can do it, quite frankly, go for it. Like, whatever makes you happy. And yeah. that would draw in a lot of press for Team Wolf. And I think it might be positive press because the audience for Team Wolf isn't at that quite young, impressionable age that, like, say, I hate to say it, Glee mm-hmm. is still. Um, they're just a little bit older than that. So they know that there are different lifestyles out there that they can interpret, but they don't exactly have to adapt just because they see it on a TV show or else that's what their parents don't have to fear anymore, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that anything that they choose to do, um, they could probably do in a positive way as opposed to a... Oh, how, yeah, controversial way, which I think they've done with a lot of things already, actually. Like, they've done that with, like, Lydia and her, like, sexual activity. They've done, you know, they've made her, like, it's not like, oh, Lydia's a slut. It's like, oh, Lydia's a woman who does what she wants, if you know what I mean. And so hmm. I think that's kind of cool. So we'll see, right. I guess. Um, <laughs> any Anyone else got any shipping thoughts now? I'm holding them back. I've, just, I've done way <laughs> too much damage. <laughs> um, okay. Let's bring the mood back down to rock bottom now. <laughs> Please, let's go back. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll My... Oh, do you even want to say this quote right now, Karen? Have you? Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I can't even um, say this quote right now. It's, like, so different from what we're talking about. I know. Um, yeah, change in topic. Uh, my second quote is from Styles, and it's when he says, Mom would have believed me. And I just need to tell you guys, I literally whimpered when he said that. It was soul crushing. Me too. Do you think that he meant it legitimately or do you think he was playing like the guilt game? I think part of it was guilt, but I think, yeah, I think his mom would have given him you know, more time than his father would have. Yeah. And I think he was definitely doing it to be mean because he was upset. But I I do think that what he said was true. Yeah. I mean, he his father, I just, it was so confusing to me, the whole thing, like where he sat down and he listened to the whole chess game. And he was like, so he's a werewolf and what, and he was listening to everything, but it was almost, it's like if he yeah. not believed him, he would have just shut him down at the start, if you know what I mean. Like it really confused me. Like he was like, he let Styles explain the whole story, but then it was like, thought about it for a second, and it's like, I can't be dealing with this. Like, no, I'm not going to. Unless he thinks Styles is, like, mentally deficient, you know, and he's like, oh, my God, I have to make an effort for my insane son. And then it's like, no. no and, and But I don't think that's what it is. I think that he was kind of, mm-hmm. like, listening, but then couldn't bring himself to believe it, if you know what I mean, which is pretty much what they say. Like, he's like, I am listening. I have been listening. And then Styles says, but you don't believe. Uh, I think that this line was completely immature of Styles to say, though, quite frankly, because I I see him as being smarter than that. I know he manipulates. I know he's always planning ahead. But that's something that is going to be way too much of a low blow to someone he cares dearly for. And I think that he was working way too much at the moment, like Karen was saying. But um, 
I, I just I really just wish he thought more about that line because that is going to have long lasting implications on I think their relationship because now there's always going to be that question that almost came up with Scott and, and uh, Mama McCall's relationship when she was assuming that when he was a wolf and in season one. Uh, it was daddy issues, um, and she felt disconnected. I feel that that disconnection is actually going to come through now between Styles and his dad, and I'm not happy by that because their relationship, as dysfunctional as it can be at times, is one of the most beautiful on this show because it is the most consistent, and they're there for each other, and they help each other out. I mean, if you think back to scenes like the drinking scene where he was you know, basically shit-faced and... Um, Styles just took away the bottle. That that was the epitome of their relationship right there. That was father and son, um, still on a father and son level, but enough that they can be there to help each other out. And um, I'm just so sad that Styles basically threw all that bonding away just by that one line. And I hope his dad won't let that be all thrown away, though. I hope he forgets, forgives him because that's just that was a heavy line, though. I think he will forgive him. The thing is, I mean, you have to remember that Styles is intelligent, but he's still a kid. And I think he was just trying to sort of get his father's attention. And it was kind of immature for him to say that, but he was really upset because people's lives were on the line and his father didn't believe him. So I can see where he was coming from with that. And as for the sheriff, I think that he does kind of believe Styles. I think he was listening. He was paying attention and he just didn't want to admit that he believes him because, I mean, think about what you're admitting to that werewolves exist, that there's druids and canamas and stuff like that i think he was just terrified i mean he even said he was mm-hmm. like i've seen i've seen a lot of weird things in this town but you know doesn't mean that they're real and stuff and it's like if you've seen them it probably means they're real but you know he's clearly trying to <laughs> avoid but i think that well, yeah. you know what honestly thank god we have that line because i've been sitting here like chopping at the bit for him to finally say something about the mat massacre because that, that was just beyond me that that wasn't a big deal because that's police enforcement that's not like high school kids anymore that is someone that's like involved with like you know state law why does that not matter more why wasn't there like a statewide search for matt how do they know one person could do that i mean there, there were slash marks in those bodies they weren't gunshots didn't they realize that that was a creature i mean i is and now and now finally we have like a semi line about it with um, Papa Stolinski, but I don't know why we don't have more, you know, like I think we deserve more than that. I've seen weird things in this town line. I think we deserve uh, the force. The enforcement has never been the same in town and, you know, something like that. Do you guys see where I'm coming from? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely yeah. very odd, but yeah. Go, sorry. Go on, Karen. I was just going to say that it's really hard to rationalize this. And I think he, like I said, just doesn't want to admit it. And yeah, even if he's seen weird things, your mind always tries to come up with an explanation for those things. And especially him being the sheriff or even before when he was like a deputy and stuff like if you're a part of the law enforcement do you really want to go around saying um i think we have werewolves in this town because you would lose your position and nobody would respect you anymore so i think he just is trying to forget about those weird things and kind of like rationalize it so it actually makes sense 
Well, what I can see happening is a very Vampire Diaries universe where the law enforcement is very much aware of the supernatural and they're either, you know, forming a season one, season two Argent hunter group or they're forming just their own kind of peacekeeping group where they want to make sure that the secret doesn't get out to society because no one seems to really care that right. no one knows that. Every, I mean, when someone finds out that a werewolf is an existence like a common civilian. It doesn't seem to be as big of a deal as it would be in like I was just referencing Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if we would see that secrecy club, but then I don't want to shove him into that Argent Season One club. So I don't know where he's going to go once he accepts this. I'm assuming he's going to stay with the third group that we have, which is um, you know Scott's mom, where she's bending the rules and all that business for the werewolf cause, right? I still think he's going to get the butt. You do. Yeah. <sighs> I still think he's going to get the bite. And because um, people um, have been, uh, like Jeff said, oh, someone gets turned this season in a way that's like not normal or not expected or whatever. And maybe that's got to do with Paige. I don't know. Maybe that's going to be like something that comes back with her. But I think it's that he gets um, hurt in some way and that they like get Scott possibly to turn him to save him. I, so I, that's I, what I don't I reckon. want that very badly. <laughs> you what? You don't? Or you do? Not. I want <laughs> no bites for Papa Solinsky. That's my brigade. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I mean, if if it's not him, who do you think it will be, or in what circumstance? It could be a similar circumstance with Danny, like that he, you know, yeah, that he gets hurt and that Ethan wants to save him, but. Um, I don't know at this point, and I, I think I'd be sadder if it was Danny. I don't know, though I do want him to be safe. I think it could be really interesting for um, Styles' dad. Though it would su- not suck for Styles, but, like, he would really just be surrounded by werewolves and, and if, if it was Styles. He really would. Yeah. I almost jumped into Lydia right then and there when you said surrounded by werewolves. Mm. Can I hold, do I have to hold it back, or can I say something about when um, Peter bit her? Uh, yeah, you can if you it's, want it's like, to. It's, it's kind of, of banshee kind of, but not too much, I promise. Okay, go on. Okay, so, yes, he is surrounded by supernatural creatures, not even just werewolves. And to me, that means that he is going to remain that only human, that the show needs to keep him, because um, there have been instances where we've seen all the other human characters kind of hidden away with vamp- with uh, vampires, with werewolves. And um, what I'm coming at is now that, you know, we have a confirmation that the bite did affect Lydia to make her a supernatural element or creature, um, that Danny is not, not even um, coming up on that, but he already has had something happen to him. And, I, I just have I just have a feeling that Ethan couldn't have held himself back because he wanted to protect him from Aiden. So I feel like Styles is going to always have to be that token human character. I don't think the show would be the same if Styles was ever a werewolf. So I see him as the most protected as a human. Um, yeah, but he's, if I, I had mean, to pick one other person that was... Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. No, 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 no just no, go no, ahead. You're good. No, 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 what were you saying? If you had I to forgot pick... what I was saying. <laughs> you're saying if, no, 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 you're saying if you had to pick one other person... If, if I had to pick one other person to turn or into any kind of supernatural element, not just a werewolf, it would be Danny. And I remember um, I was just doing all my fun research last night. I was getting really excited for this podcast today. And uh, and I was finding um, some Celtic creature that everyone was explaining Danny as. And I was just like, you know what? The 
fandom was so damn right on this on this Banshee bit. I want to buy it into Danny. So that's where I am right now. I'm at Danny was already bitten to be protected from Aiden's face ripping flesh eating wrath by Ethan. <laughs> Aiden's a psychopath. Just saying. He really is. It's it's insane. Yeah. Um. We'll get into that in a second. But yeah, it was really yeah. really strange. But you can just, see why I didn't want to go into Banshee stuff. I just wanted to talk about who's been bitten by who and for what reason and who won't yeah, be, right? Yeah, I mean, okay. Styles, <laughs> the, the big thing about Styles is that he's, like, he's Little Red Riding Hood. He's surrounded by, yes. you know, everything. And, and they, they do that on purpose. That He wears a red hoodie. It's very, very intentional. And that was one of my quotes from this week, basically. I'm like, oh, you know, how, you know, Styles is sort of wrapped up in this world. He's very quote-unquote defenseless and you know how is he going to cope with that but basically that whole scene with um i think it's ethan i think it's before ethan starts explaining things to them yeah i don't think it's aiden um and basically styles is just like what are you saying he's like are you threatening me because you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna break off an extra large branch of mountain ash wrap it in wolfsbane roll it in mistletoe and then shove it up your freaking and like start and he's kind of like going at him and Scott, Scott has to hold him back. Number one, hilarious. But number two, <laughs> yeah. You know, so just to get that out of the way, freaking hilarious. Number two kind of shows how much Styles has had it, if you know what I mean, with everyone. Um, we've talked quite a bit about how Styles is, you know, kind of his nerves are kind of fraying and that he is kind of definitely on the edge of snapping and that he's kind of being a bit crazy but number three it also kind of shows like hey hey you know what i can do like i'm not defenseless kind of thing like that he and i just want to see how much that he can he can do if you know what i mean like how much that he can potentially do this to the werewolves well you well, know not what, just Nat- to the werewolves, but yeah like what what defenses he can have if you know what i mean like what what ways that he can how powerful he can become and it you know reminds me again in buffy in that you know that one scene, um, Karen, where the Watchers Council come to like review Giles, and basically, you know, they took he mm-hmm. kind of they threaten the Watchers Council away by they like kind of you know talk about how what everyone on the team can do, like you know Willow and um, and Xander and all of that kind of thing. And I just think yeah. that um, he will, you know, that he will start building up like all of these like not just oh incidental, but he'll start carrying like a little utility belt of stuff that he can just like fling around, <laughs> eat, you, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, be as much of a badass and defend himself or, like, start... Because oh, Alice can... is trained with weapons, but, like, you know... He'd make a good, like, Robin to a Batman. No, he would be Batman with his utility belt. <laughs> oh, that's his that. Yeah. But he um, has to have season one, season two hair if he's going to be Batman. I can't have this long hair too much longer. <laughs> you really but like Natalie. the... You really like the cropped hair, don't you, Mitch? Oh, I loved it. It was just so adorable. I just wanted to fuzz his head. <laughs> <laughs> but Natalie, this is where I saw you going. You were going more toward Styles is an adopted Argent in that hill. Maybe let's just say. Not uh, really. I, to... No, not not like an adopted Argent because Allison. I mean, is she's not. You know, she's not evil, but like she's got the weapons training. I think that more like that Styles might end up being like. Scott's emissary and that he will have like all of the same kind of powers and information like that like a druid has like all of the stuff that he can use to manipulate like you know whatever like nature and fire and stuff like that not like oh I'm doing magic but like that he will have you know all of these 
you know, protective devices or something like that. Okay, um, there's a large hunk of Team Wolf mythology that I'm missing. Emissaries was never clearly explained in the show, I swear. I've searched for it. I don't know what the heck is... I mean, it was only the last couple of episodes, so it was like... Oh, okay. But it was like talking about, basically, it was revealed that that's the deal with Deaton and with Morel and stuff like that. It was in the flashback episode, like, with Deucalion, that basically they are... The druids taught the werewolves about shape-shifting and that they became, like, their advisors. Like, they basically helped them, the packs, oh. like, interact with the real world and, 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 you know, how to protect themselves and all that kind of stuff. And the, the druid culture has all of this kind of mythology and, like, you know, protective stuff. Like using mountain ash and, like, you know, using all of that kind of stuff. So. And as crazy as I this is, the, <laughs> of course, the first comparison that comes to my brain is any kind of, like, creature capturing thing um and yes pokemon <laughs> but if you think about it it kind of makes sense because it's like reining in the power of those werewolves and teaching them how to use it properly and you know when to be more strategic about battling because it seems to me like most werewolves most werewolves are like pokemon, pokemon. most werewolves are like pokemon <laughs> like a wild pokemon and once they're trying adversaries they're great. They're fine. They'll know when to battle. They're not going to go off and attack everyone out there. I'm looking at you, Kali. <laughs> I think you were the first person to ever compare Teen Wolf werewolves to Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> well, with this emissaries out there, that, that theory is going to be out there, I swear. Oh, God. I can see it. Same. And that's totally my Pokemon brain doing that. But that's why you're bringing them on for all these brand new perspectives, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon is slavery, just saying. But anyway, it is. It's so slippery. <laughs> okay, just just well, so that we're all, just a, well, not, I don't know, not exactly. I don't don't think they have as much control. They can't stuff their packs into little bobbles, you know. But maybe Styles can, and he can <laughs> keep them on Come his here. utility <laughs> belt. Um, okay. Aww. He can put Scott in his little utility belt, and then you can Batman him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going okay. to a place. Anyway, yeah, it's going to a place. <laughs> Anyway, my other quote, just very quickly, was just Isaac, basically when he's following Allison about the whole episode and they drive out to stalk Allison's father and he's just like, oh, this is so not going to end well. But he keeps following around because of reasons that we've already discussed. Um, And basically it was just his delivery and I just find him really interesting, um, especially compared to Scott, like, and that what he may be like with Allison compared to Scott. Because Alice, you know, Scott's so... Oh, Alison, every, at every turn, you know, and it took him a long time to be like, Alison can take care of herself, but, you know. Oh, contraire, he sent Isaac over to her this episode. No, I think he didn't. Isaac went on his own. Did he? Yeah. It was really obvious because when they came oh. in together to the, am I, did I, am I the only one that got that? Karen, what did you reckon? You know what? I didn't even think about that. But now that you say that, Scott did look kind of surprised. When they came in together. At the thing. Yeah, maybe he was just looking surprised that they were still together. No, I think that he went on his own. He never he never confirmed that Scott sent him when she said that she might think that Scott sent him. I think he went on his own. Really? Oh, so that was her theory, but he never agreed. No, I mean, I might be wrong, like, because um, Scott, to me, I totally read it like that, though I don't think that, Al- you know, Scott would leave Allison unprotected as well. So I, I now don't know, but I really think that, that he went on his own when he saw that Allison wasn't at school. 
Because, I mean, I, I agree with you that in general, Scott's been, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, can I go like semi-bad language? I already said a bad word today, so I'm going to uh, do another one. I guess. I mean, don't usually, but, you know. We would <laughs> I'll, 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 I won't use the real word. Don't worry. Um, basically, Scott's bouncing off of Allison's D. And it's about time that he does because, you know, obviously she's moved on. And it is really disappointing originally for me to think, you know, that he would send um, – Isaac over, but I think that your newfound uh, epiphany, Natalie, really um, brings back Scott back down to a nice humble position away from um, his former lady friend and, you know, on his own, maybe getting some Sky Isaac love triangle. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I know. We didn't don't even know. think about this. Okay. No, we didn't even think about this. Oh. <laughs> so we're saying Sky Isaac, and then we're saying, I don't know their shit name yet, uh, Isaac and. Allison, what's that? I don't know. I hate ship names, but anyway, go on. I don't know. Okay, so what's to say that this couldn't be like a complete like crisscross triangle though for the polygamy we were talking about? Like it's not just Allison that's into the two guys. The two guys are into each other and they're both into her. Because we were talking about how these ships are kind of forming. I'm not I promise you I'm not even trying to derail. I just came up with a realization about this though. Because we were talking about Scott's control of Isaac and Isaac's love or apparent uh, infatuation for um, for Allison. Do you guys see where I'm coming from? It, it all kind of seems like they're separate events that lead to each liking the other. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I totally, that's what I totally kind of, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how it would happen or how they would have, like, Scott and Isaac, but yeah, right. I'm, I mean, the polyamorous relationship, I think, that Jeff was talking about when someone asked him about it would have been the idea of them all being together. Like, you know, not that they all randomly date, like, you know, oh, casual dating, but that they are all sort of in a relationship together which i don't know it, it right. could work and it's not just two you know, people on one it's three people together yeah i mean tyler right? posey seems to think it you know is a plausibility with his old like oh yes scott, <laughs> scott can always date men which you know is fun i guess but we'll have to wait and see because i'm not sure how this is going to be resolved at the moment sorry i didn't mean to be beat a dead horse there i just no, thought okay. it came to like a really cool realization <laughs> i got really excited no, Maybe we should jump into our discussion now. Yeah, go ahead, Karen. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, the episode starts out with the deputy in the school. And um, she's somebody made a 911 call, so she's walking around the halls and everything. And she ends up seeing somebody being dragged through the doorway into the locker room, so she goes after them. And this part really weird for me and I, I don't know if you guys can explain this but she basically comes upon her own dead body like she sees mm. herself dead in the shower and then the drock strangles her from behind and she falls and we kind of see like how she ended up like that what she saw and I mean is this more of the drock having those powers of like manipulation and stuff because we saw what we think was all those bugs that didn't really exist outside mm. of the tent where the two girls were and everything so mm. do you think that this is just like more of the same yeah it, it must have been I mean I didn't think about it like that I was like oh my god is there a way to like make you like is she like a ghost and then like doesn't realize that you know she's seeing her own body but i think now you say that it must have been that like that they um she sort of projected yeah basically the the death like that the um the darak showed you know what was going to happen and, and then it happened because she spoke to danny and like the kids were you know she wasn't a ghost unless everyone can see ghosts you know she spoke yeah. to danny and then she went and saw <laughs> this and then it ended up happening. So, yeah, I think that it was there, you know, the Durak's first 
go at like the fear tactic kind of thing because I really don't see how it could be anything else. Though I was trying to work out if it was like, oh, is she a ghost? Is she like not realizing that she's already dead and now watching her own body? Because, but that doesn't make sense. So, and the only other reference I can help us out with for your theory that you arose, Karen, is the bottles breaking on the floor while Styles was getting the condom. Uh, so he came back downstairs. Those bottles were not broken. Yeah, I mean, it kind of happened for everyone. Like that, the that there was like a weird hallucination-y thing before it happened and you know it must be very creative thinking up a different one for each person but yeah well, they're clearly... not always different though because if you think about it um they had the butterflies for the two different instances for our lovely vet and for the on-call doctor yeah and those weren't hallucinations because um, remember Scott actually picked one up and yes. looked at it? Mm. Oh, you're right. So it seems like not everyone even has hallucinations, though. Sometimes they don't need that. Sometimes it's real. Huh? Yeah, I'm That's really weird. confused by it. Like, clearly it's all a disorientating yeah. kind of thing, but I don't really understand. It's just working. Say it's, it's working. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the, whatever the Dirac decides it needs for that situation or wants to have fun with, it can use. So it has physical butterflies. It can fly around everywhere, but it also can play mind games with you um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Mm, good theory. So then the next really important thing is we actually get Ethan and Aiden's backstory. And I don't know about you guys, but I was really, really excited because in the last episode we got Deucalion's, Kali's, and Ennis's. I mean, sort of. They were the three that were featured there, and we didn't get any of the twins. And I was like, okay, where are they? You know, why weren't they with them? And we find out here that they were actually Omegas in their own pack. And Deucalion came along and taught them things, taught them how to control their ability to morph into one werewolf. And basically the twins killed their entire pack, including their the emissaries. All of the Alpha Pack members killed their emissaries except for Deucalion. And that's basically why the twins are loyal to Deucalion and why they can't leave, even though obviously Ethan isn't too happy about what's going on because they owe Deucalion so much. That really interested me, especially because we've had um, a bit of discussion. And I even actually saw this kind of being discussed on Twitter being like, oh, people doing the thing with Omega's wrong because... They're saying that it's like the lowest point in a wolf pack, which is true in nature. Like that's what Ethan explains. And, you know, but in the show it means the lone wolf and all of that kind of thing because they've they've done that. Whereas I think this was kind of a nice melding together of the two ideas. I think that yeah. o- Omegas are clearly the lowest, like in nature, like the scapegoat of the pack, the one that everyone bullies and whatever. And maybe mm. they become lone wolves by being like, peace i'm not dealing with this and going off on their own not being able to cope it doesn't necessarily mean lone wolf i think it is the traditional scientific meaning of an omega in a wolf pack but that the circumstances lead them to go off on their own if you know what i mean and and karen back to your point on us not seeing the twins in the baby Derek flashback episode i am confused why you would think they would even be around because to me that would have been them around the age of let's say seven or eight maybe i mean but he does he does say like you know we're not really high school students right like right assuming that they're like 35 at that point that's what that's the impression i got not like 35 but like i think they're older than they look because they're right 
you know, I think they're doing a bit of an Edward Cullen. You know, they're, they're in the high yes, school. Yes, I didn't want to say it, but thank you. And <laughs> I don't think they're, like, hundreds of years old, but we know that they sort of age slightly slower, like, you know, they, you know, stay looking younger and stuff. So I think that they are young enough to be infiltrating the high school as students, but that they're probably not se- actually 17. It just reminds me of the Wizards from Harry Potter. Dumbledore was 150, right? Yeah. So that's what it equates to in my brain. But yeah, but then they again, age slightly slower. Right, but then again, then again, um, I think that that aging process starts to slow down once you've hit puberty. If you look at, I'm not, and, and I, this is, I think, the only direct comparison I could think of. So a legitimate one. The teens in the Potterverse all start going through puberty and all that. Maybe that's just actors or something. Maybe mm-hmm. the books is a different interpretation. And I feel like the same thing would happen in the Teen Wolfverse because of um, the ages of the twins right now. But them also saying that they are, well, them, uh, you know, giving us that line to assume that they're older, you know. So it seems like they're 17, but that's the age where both Wizards and Potter and uh, Wolves and Team Wolf start to slow their aging process. Puberty speeds up everything. It, it, it goes at its own rate no matter what. But Wolfism starts at like 17. Yeah. I, I guess. I honestly don't know. I think that uh, there must be something like, yeah, in basically like young adulthood, but we don't know the specifics of the ageing at the moment. Everyone keeps going on about it and we definitely don't know. Yeah. But I loved their backstory and it like, I mean, Aiden and Ethan, like that whole circumstance about like, you know, Aiden tearing off Danny's face and all of that kind of stuff, that was incredibly was unpleasant. Like... And and the fact that he, you know, he says, oh, if Jacqueline asked you, would you kill him? And then he goes, Ethan goes, if Jacqueline asked you, would you kill me? And that's what, I mean, again, like tying back to the Motel California and like Ethan's hallucination of Aiden inside him. I mean, do we think now that that was to do with like how they were before they were able to control the situation or if it's to do with him feeling like threatened by Aiden? I, in general, think that that hallucination was meant to deal with a physical fear of that morphing process they do when they turn into the major wolf going wrong. Um, I don't think that was anything to do with I'm fair. I'm scared of my brother um, dying or going away from me because to me it comes off as like you were saying before, Aiden's is a psychopath. Ethan is the reasonable one. Ethan is um, really just, I think ready to get rid of his brother and maybe that was that that demon crawling out of him. It's it's uh, either something you know physical or mental, but he just wants a separation from his brother. He doesn't care what happens to him. He's actually done with him, if you ask me. I I agree with that up to a point. I think that it was more of that fear of the physical of you know his brother being stuck inside him or something like that. I don't think that Ethan is done with his brother. I think that they have a really close relationship, and even though they have two very different personalities. I think that they're still, you know, they're always going to be brothers. They're always going to be twins. And we learned in this episode that they can feel each other's pain. So I think that with a bond like that, it's not going to be very easy for them, for Ethan to just be like, no, I'm done with you. Goodbye. Well, um, while you brought that point up, Karen, I guess we should ask if that is a twin wolf thing or is that just a twin thing in Team Wolfverse? Because to me, it would you'd come off as being something that twins who are werewolves can feel. But it also could be something to deal with something of, um, I don't even know, like alphas in a pack can feel, maybe? I don't know. I mean, 
I, I feel like it was a little bit too convenient, quite frankly, and it was just written in a little bit easily because um, it's assumed that the audience just um, knows that twins have these certain connections, and that's not weird to them. But say if this happened between um, Kali and um, Ethan, random people together, um, that would come off as weird, you know? So um, I'm not sure if this has anything to do with a pack or them being twins, but I know it has to do something supernaturally, right? This can't be a normal twin thing in no. the team well i think i think it's whoa hang on sorry twins. can you guys hear that sorry then ad no. just started no. playing on the computer and it like like on one of the web pages oh. i have open for the thing and it just was like super loud sorry yeah karen i think it's a twin thing as well i think it's like a twin it, wolf thing not just well a twin yeah thing, i think it, because it's a twin thing in like right. in like it's like an old wives tale or or allegedly some twins claim right. that in real life that they can um Right. That they can feel things that the twin can feel, and Jeff is a twin himself. Like Jeff Davis is a twin himself. Oh, and, identical. Yeah, I think so. And he basically, yeah, wanted to do some stuff with twins because of that. And I think that it's meant to be like a heightened, like one of the heightened, you know, once the twins become supernatural, once they become werewolves. I mean, we don't know if they're born werewolves or, or not. Mm-hmm. But once they become werewolves, that they can you know, they have heightened twin powers, if you know what I mean. Right. And, I mean, at that yeah. point, I'd say it's safe to assume that they were born werewolves because they mm. have that connection. Because I don't know. Two, but, well, think about it. If you're bitten by two different werewolves, or even the same one, that's a separate instance. But if you're created together as a werewolf, you're of the same supernatural string. You have two different strings, you know. true. If they were – yeah, that's actually true. If they were – if they're identical twins and actually like split from the same embryo, which is what happens with identical twins, then technically their wolf would be the same wolf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna take oh. that as being. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's exactly where I was coming yeah. from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy that. Um. We don't. We obviously Ten don't points know for Gryffindor. That, that would. Um, that would <laughs> but yeah, that conversation with Aiden, like of him like eating Danny's face. Um. No one's gonna be oh. eating Danny's face on my watch. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just like horrible. I was like, "Wow, this is just mean and awful." Um, what if Eden did the the mistletoe bit in Danny? Ugh. Oh, Ethan would be pissed. Yeah. I think this episode reveals that it had to have been Aiden because Aiden was like testing out Ethan's feelings towards Danny. I don't know. Well, we don't we know that the Duroc did it, like Jennifer did it, because Danny was getting close to figuring out the the pathways and like where all of the deaths were occurring. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what uh, that's what was it was implied, though I don't think it was explained very well. Um, that's it. <laughs> but basically, the whole um, Aiden and Ethan thing. Um, first of all, I I really liked. Scott and Styles talking to Ethan and him saying, you know, why do you trust me? I killed your, helped kill your friend. And that they, then they were like, yeah, but I think that you wouldn't do it again if, if they tried to ask you. Like, they can tell that he's cracking, you know, that he's not that bad. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then meanwhile, you know, the thing about the feeling, the twin pain is because basically he realizes that Aiden is getting attacked by Cora and she goes and basically slash starts slashing him up because she's mad about Boyd, which is, like, fair enough, I guess, and she's all ragey. And then Aiden sort of attacks her back. But I don't understand why it did her that much damage. Again, this is the healing yeah. thing. It's like, what can or can you not heal from? Because why is she so... And later in the episode, they're like, but what's happening to me? You know, like, 
why is she so is it because they like she dropped he dropped that weight and he like crushed in her skull or something maybe he damaged like the part of her like brain that like can werewolf like um (laughs) oh you know what natalie you watched heroes you remember um Hmm. claire and her healing abilities right yeah how if she was hurt in the head it would basically take a longer time to either reset or it would completely kill her if she was head chopped off. Mm. Um, and to me, that's what comes off as the same healing abilities in Team Wolf. Mm. Because I think that to a certain extent, with any supernatural element where there's healing, like it's Wolverine, for instance, in X-Men, there needs to be Mental. the limit. The limit, the the place, the center of that healing. And, mm. the, the you know, the, the Achilles heel of it. And I think that the brain is always going to have to be that because it deals with telling what 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 cells to fix where or, or whatever, you know? Um, and on top of that, I think that this obviously relates back to what we were going through with Scott when, um, yes, I know he was feeling bad about, I feel like I killed Derek, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I think that that had a lot to do with the very powerful Mental. mojo, juju of yeah. these of this alpha pack that once they harm any other kind of wolf, it's always going to harm them for a lot longer and take a lot longer to heal. And maybe this is just also just once again, relating to that Scott situation um, that this is Cora having to overcome the death of Boyd. And maybe she feels bad for that. So this could be the same rehashed thing of that, you know? Yeah. I think that all, all of those things make sense either together or on their own, but I was just really surprised by like how, yeah. How damaged that she was. Me too. Me too. I mean, that's like I said, rehashing though, you know, because we just had that with Scott. So I'm like, eh. yeah. And then obviously, like Ethan and stuff helps pull um Aiden away, like being like, you know, we gave Derek till the next full moon. I'm not sure that gives him the right to like just going attacking, you know, that Cora. It means that he has to stand there and take it while Cora like slashes him open or whatever, because Cora is not <laughs> Derek, but. Yeah, that's weird. Cora <laughs> just comes into the school and it's so weird. Like, she does she go to the school? Like, I don't, I don't understand Cora, but I, I'm kind of starting to love her. Well, I want to be careful that we don't skip over this part where Lydia is with Aiden because I feel like there was an important part of conversation that happened right before this whole Cora attack started. Um, because I swear he revealed something that was really important, but they were talking way too damn fast and I could not keep up with it. He was talking to her about the death of Boyd and. Did we already touch on this or not? Um, when she was basically calling out Aiden for helping in the murder of one of her former, not friends, but comrades. And he gave a really important response. Do either of you guys remember what it was? Oh, yeah. Basically, Aiden said that Boyd and Derek tried to kill her in season two when they thought that she was the Canima. And she was like, how did you know that? And I think that's when it cut off and Cora drew the spiral on the window. Yeah, that's true. Oh, so that means like the twins and or the pack has been around for season two and they saw Canima events? Um, I mean, they could have sucked it out of Boyd when they had him in the um, bank vault. Or maybe they mm-hmm. have been spying yeah. or maybe Danny knows everything and has been telling everyone. <laughs> I know Danny is something. I'm telling you, he's something. It's just way too convenient to have that many humans at this point. Mm. He has to be something. I know it. 
and that that is <laughs> Natalie. You stop stop with my you're stopping um all logic in my brain and leading me towards every theory you bring out because uh, <laughs> now I'm really dead convinced that Danny's this portraying character. No, and I don't want that at all. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense, but he just he seems too damn innocent though. Mm. He does. He just seems like he has something up his sleeve. Something's going on. He's been around for too long. Jeff's been running him into each season, and that's a good point. Maybe he's been telling them about cannibal business, and holy crap. Do you think Jackson <laughs> told Danny anything, though? Ah, I feel like mm-hmm. Jackson's way too, forgive me for this, but weak of a character to keep those kind of things to himself. Because Jackson always came off to me as a very whiny guy. He had to whine to someone about his problems or else he would not feel right. He was best friends with Danny, would tell him anything in the whole wide world. I don't see why he wouldn't. He didn't seem like he had the best judgment with anything in general, including the, all of the supernatural business. So what's to keep him from telling Danny, you know? But remember that Jackson hid the fact that he was the cannibal or that he was bitten, like the video. He hid the video from Danny. He told yes. Danny not to look at it. Yes, you're so, right. And I mean, I, I agree with you that Jackson needs to whine to somebody. And I think that before he left, that person was Lydia, because we do know that they were, you know, seeing each other, like not you know, going on dates and stuff, but actually like visiting each other or whatever. And she knew that Derek was explaining how to be a werewolf to him and stuff like that. So I think that if he was telling anything to anybody, it probably would have been Lydia or Derek. But Lydia eventually was no longer in that relationship with him um, ever since he started throwing her to the curb whenever um, she tried to get close to him. Cause that was that whole, yeah. um, you know, I'll give you my house key storyline. So that's where I see Danny fitting into it. Well, and that's in the heat of the cannabis business. Oh, I don't know. Because I think he tried to hide it, like to protect Danny. Cause he was like, you know, it said to him, like, if I, you know, come at you on the field or whatever, run the other way and all of that stuff. So I think that he was definitely trying to protect Danny. But I think once he became a functioning werewolf, like he may, or may not have told Danny, but like what Karen said, like if he had Lydia and Derek to whine to, he may have wanted to continue to protect Danny because he actually seemed to care about Danny, which is odd. I think that him and Lydia sort of were back together after she kind of saved him with the power of her love or whatever. So at least until he went away to London. But yeah. But you know what? We're missing a very important plot point in Danny's section, how he dealt with the Kanama attack. We saw him basically, you know, talk to Scott in the hospital the day after and be like, man, that was trippy. But he didn't, <laughs> like, he had to have realized that was supernatural. I don't because know. You don't think so? Maybe everyone in this town is just like, oh, weird stuff happens. But <laughs> <laughs> that's when I'm just like, GTFO, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, I would just be like, mm. but I don't know. Anyway, um, do we that's think. That's why, th- but that's why oh. I'm sticking on this Danny has to know more than he does because. He's just so complacent to that weird. He's so complacent to the mistletoe. He's so complacent to, you know, his best friend. He doesn't know it's mistletoe necessarily. He was like, oh, my God, I was choking and I vomited. Like, he doesn't, like... Because what does he think that is? He had to have known I wasn't eating anything. I don't know. You know, like, Danny has... Danny has had just enough supernatural stuff to happen to him that I feel like he would have been included by someone at this point. Because he would have just been questioning, not because he would have figured it out on his own. So maybe that was Jackson. Maybe that was someone that we'd never seen him talk to before. Who knows? He, crackpot theory. He's talking to Cora. I don't know. You know, he. I feel like he knows something more than he's giving out, though. Yeah, I mean, we always theorize about what Danny is. Like, Karen had a, one theory that he'd always been a werewolf the whole time, um, originally. And then... 
sort of that grew and then it proved to be not true because he has those scars. But So now we're back to square one. But, but yeah. I think that lastly, Karen, you're going to love me for this. The reason that we can say Danny has a little bit more of an important role, I'll say, is because his actor showed up at, at Comic-Con. I know he showed up in a, like a funny way where he um, showed up as a character dressed up to ask a question and they made him take off his mask and it was the actor and everyone was freaking out and all that. But to me, that spelled out. We want to have everyone that's going to be vital for season 3B at Comic-Con oh. so that, you know? Allegedly, no. he did that himself. Oh, really? Apparently, he talked oh. to a fan about it, and apparently it wasn't set up by MTV. Oh, shut up. That he queued up <laughs> to get in there and to get to the front of the line and snuck up. I don't know, but that's what he told That's what he told a fan. It's way too much of a publicity stunt. Everyone was doing it, left and right, like, everywhere. Yeah. But the thing is that he loves Comic-Con, he loves cosplaying, he loves all that nerdy stuff. So, like, I don't think that it was, uh, oh, Danny's going to be really important for season 3B, you know, we need him here, or I need to be here, whether he did it on his own or not. I think he just had the opportunity because he was there, and then why not, you know, crash his own show's panel? So, I mean, I think that it's quite possible that there is something else going on with Danny, but the fact is, at this point, we just don't have enough information to conclude anything. I'm really frustrated right now because I just realized something. There was one point when I was waiting to go into this big pirate ship party for Assassin's Creed, and he was on this little red carpet thing and taking pictures and interviewing and all this. And then he started walking away, and he was just with a couple friends. I easily could have gone up with Kyle and talked to him and asked him any Team Wolf question. I'm sure he never wouldn't have liked it, but I just totally could have. We could have known the answer <laughs> to these questions right now. He probably wouldn't have told you the answer. He would have told me anything. He would have been nice have. about it. Um, but what we, <laughs> instead of a side thing what do we think about like aiden and lydia like do we think that he has any sort of care or interest there like because he seems to be like slightly like what are you doing back with me kind of thing like that he is slightly you know surprised and and you know almost defensive to her being like oh well what about Derek and like kind of indignant on her behalf you know that Derek and boyd tried to kill her yeah, I do, and this is why. Because did you see his face? Did you see how betrayed he looked when he realized that Lydia Sorry. was just distracting him so that Scott and Skiles could talk to Ethan? Uh, I didn't, but I know that how, like, I, I kind of noticed how anxious he was about his phone. But, no, I'm going to have to go and rewatch that. So, yeah. Oh, I can't wait till we get to the phone. I think that that is a very unanswered question, but I think it fits better in with the events later on. But back to where we are in this event, I don't think he has any feelings for her. And I agree that he looks like he was shocked, but that was only because he's not used to being used. He knows that he's the one in power and he's always the one that makes the decisions. He was controlling Lydia. He went after her because he needed to find out why she was special. And that's what that look was to me, Karen. And the reason I know he doesn't care is because he threatened to rip off his brother's boyfriend's face and eat his flesh. That is (laughs) – he is a psychopath. He's Hannibal Lecter. He can't love, I swear. He's Voldemort. He's not <laughs> He's not capable of love. We'll see. Oh, my God. That was a, a rant. That sure was a rant. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I get on those rants. You know me, Nina, Natalie. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm honestly not sure either way. I can I can flip between the two of you. I'll, I'll, I'll be in the middle. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. So, lol at that. 
Yeah, speaking of people getting closer and stuff, what about Allison and Isaac? I know we kind of touched on this before, but basically, you know, Isaac goes to check up on her, Scott sends him, we don't really know, and Allison sort of attacks him, and, and we have a really funny moment there. And you can see how they're sort of becoming more comfortable with each other. And because before it was a very tenuous relationship, Allison attacked Isaac, and he was obviously very mad at her. And he's a werewolf, and you know how much trouble they can be. So I thought it was really interesting that they were kind of Happy finding this, this <laughs> common ground and sort of being a team this episode. I like it, and I'll tell you why. Because I feel like they have more... Okay, often, and this isn't a good thing about people, but you often can't really ever shake off your initial idea of someone in the sense of, okay, family is a good example. Like, if you've ever had those circumstances where you, like, go out into the world and you're a functioning adult and you're, like, a normal human being, but, like, you go back to, like, a family gathering and, like, if you're the youngest, like, your aunt still treats you like you're four or you and your brother still fight the same way, like, really – like, you fight with your family in a more, like, childish way than you would ever behave in the real world, if you know what I mean. And the example I'm trying to make here is that, like, in certain relationships, like, no matter how much individual people change – it's really difficult to ever change the dynamic of the relationship, even if the people have changed. Uh, I hope this is making sense. But basically what I'm saying is with Scott and Allison, I don't know if the dynamic of their relationship of like him being like overprotective and automatically thinking that she's, you know, no sort of this pretty damsel, like even though he practically knows, like even though he objectively knows that she's not, I think that he's always going to have that kind of, you know, that he's not going to be able to see her in a different light. And um, I feel like that Isaac and her have, I mean, even though they, again, they started out enemies and I think that that, you know, may or may not have the potential to change. But I think they have more of a mutual respect for each other because they both came to each other kind of knowing the deal as opposed to like Scott's whole first part of his relationship with Alison was like hiding the werewolf and thinking that she was helpless and stuff like that. So I always think that Scott will think in a small way, like, not in a practical way, but like an instinctual way that Alison is a little bit helpless and that Isaac has a respect for her that Scott doesn't. Does that make sense? Yes, and I can see exactly yeah. where you're coming from with mm. how dynamics are hard to change with those kind of relationships. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that that relates directly to Alison and Isaac. Their relationship is trying to move and it's trying very hard and – the first scene we saw that trying to move was the we're after school cleaning up and um, we're stuck in the like, janitor's yeah. closet. Yeah. That was um, her trying to protect him, even though he was trying to hurt her, yeah. you know, because she, she wanted to make sure he didn't hurt her because then he'd yeah. feel bad. Um, that to me was her taking the first move, but I don't think he's ready to. So um, like, like I said, just relating back to um, Isaac and Allison, I feel like they're going to be stuck because he's keeping it stuck where it is, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think he's very curious about her in some way. Like, I think that he... Basically, I think that he automatically respects her power more than Scott obviously did when they got together because Scott didn't know anything about anything at the time and that it's always going to... 
Scott's had to adjust into it, whereas Isaac has sort of gone into it almost a little bit scared of Alison from the start. Which and is adorable. Yeah, I it, admit. Is, it is cute. But I don't know, they're, they're interesting me more than I ever thought that they would, if you know what I mean. Uh, when we first got kind of the hint of like, oh, you know, Isaac and Alison, I was just like, are you serious? Like, are you joking me right now? But it's interesting me a lot more than I thought it ever would. So I don't know, like, what do you reckon about it, Karen? I, um, I'm kind of on the fence about it because, I mean, honestly, my end game really is Scott well, and Allison, Allison because yeah. I think that they're perfect together. And I, I like that they're not together now because I think that's sort of a natural progression of events, especially after everything that happened in season two. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing with Isaac and Allison is sort of interesting. I like the idea that Isaac is sort of more rebellious and more rogue than Scott is because Scott was always so overbearingly protective. Yeah. And I kind of like the idea that Isaac would be like, oh, you know, let's go attack the bad guys and sort of would be more of a freeing person for Allison to be yeah, with. So that's that does interest me. That's definitely what I vibe this episode. I mean, and that quote that I picked at the beginning, like, oh, this is so not going to end well. But he still is like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll go. No big deal. Like, he's more... Um, reckless, but I don't think in a way that's like could get Allison into suit. Not like, oh, you know, she's gonna go ride a motorbike into a wall or you know something like that. Right. You know, like I think that he's she's they're or, they're sort of more evenly matched in that way, in a way that may not you know may put both of them in more danger potentially, but that is less controlled, yeah, or controlling, and that um. You know, and whether that comes from Isaac being too reckless or Isaac said of seeing Alison for the amount of power she has and Scott, you know, still wanting to protect that, then I don't know. But I definitely vibe that with the way that they sort of walked in together and were doing all this stuff, that it was more, they're more similar to each other than Scott and Alison, but that doesn't necessarily, like, make for a perfect relationship, if you know what I mean. Right. Well, you know what, Natalie, you just brought up a good point. Um, that, you know, they were walking in together and kind of feeling each other out, I mean, mm. metaphorically, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and physically too with their hands and all that, right? Um, when they were like, you know, looking over the maps and all this business and that's cool and that's fun. Um, to me, it works really well as like a literary element if Team Wolf was a book because Scott and Allison were the sleuthers in a lot of ways for a lot of her dad's stuff. And they most recently had the closet boner scene you know, with uh, like after they yeah. investigated to me, well, to me, that, that that was actually not just like a stupid teen hokey. Oh, it's a boner joke. Ha ha ha. No, that had a really strong relevance to the re- relationship of Scott and Allison. And that reason was that they wanted to sh- uh, Jeff wanted to show their relationship is based a lot off of sexual tension and physicality, while it seems like Isaac and Allison have more of an emotional and growing relationship. But it seems like that the Allison and Scott relationship has reached its peak, and it's just it, it seems a little bit too sexual to me. And I know that that could be stretching it, but that's kind of like the weird English major brain inside of me seeing that that's where their storyline is supposed to end that's what the farthest they can go but it seems like there's more that she can try out with him so that's why she's tried out the map business with both boys she's had to feel out how they relate to her and how they work with her and uh, apparently scott 
works in a very sexual way and you know isaac works in a very intelligent and um let's stand back and look at this kind of way you know what i mean and that's 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 it's like a weird literary thing and i know it might not relate to a tv show to everyone else but to me it just somehow clicks you know it is interesting actually that you say that they both kind of looked at the um map and and got different yeah different things from it like the, the scenario in which they looked at the map so yeah i'm gonna think about that Right, right, you're right. It's not like um, exactly what they glean from the map, but it's also how they react during their, quote, map scene with Allison, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the map, I was a little confused during this part because basically Allison and Scott, or Allison and Isaac look at the map and he sort of steps back and she steps back and she sees the Celtic fivefold knot on the table mm-hmm. underneath the map and they pull it back and they realize like what the last two groups that are going to be sacrificed are the philosophers and the guardians. And this part confused me because we find out later that Chris is not the Drock, big surprise, like I didn't see that coming, but why does he have the Celtic Fivefold Knot on his table? He knows a lot about druids and a lot about this Celtic mythology, and it's really starting to make me wonder if there's more to the eye about him than we know. Yeah. Maybe he went off and he did his, like, like gap year or something. I don't know if you guys have a gap like. What, I don't know what you guys call that. In Australia, I think. Well, I guess kind of, but, like, in Australia, like, it's more like the time, like, sometimes between, like, high school and university, you can, like, get into university but, like, defer your place for a year so you don't start the immediate school year, you start the year after and you can take, like, a gap year going and, you know, volunteering in China or, you know, getting drunk on the beach or whatever it is you want to do. And, <laughs> um, and maybe he Which picked... did you choose? Oh, lol. I, um... I no, I, I I went to my college the year I went to um, oh, the year God. after high school, but then I went like traveling after that. So, uh, but so you had your drunken Chinese adventures, huh? Um. Oh well, <laughs> n- not in, not in China and and not really drunk. I had my um fangirly U- UK adventures, but I was like going to say maybe he took a gap year as like. He went off and, like, lived with the Druids, or maybe he was, like, an emissary for a pack and then came back. Maybe he was, like, the rebellious teen Argent who went off to, like, try and, like, commune with the werewolves. And, you know, now he's like, oh, I better go back to being a hunter and try and reform them or something. But that he was actually more of a cooperative with the werewolves than we know about like, in his past. And then, like, something betrayed him and he got a little bit more like, oh, no, I'm going to be hunter. The only gap I'm seeing in that theory is Mama Argent and how much of a hard ass she was. She was on everyone in that family and she knew what everyone was doing. She knew Allison and Scott were having sex and she knew how to get to Scott's mom in the hospital by cutting her arm. She would have known that, um, you know, Papa Argent was going about looking at Druids and stuff. She would have snooped until she found it. So I'd love to think that, yes, he does know all that druid information from some time in his adult life, but I don't think it's possible because of her. So it depends on when he met her. If we're judging on Allison's age, we're going to assume that it's been about 20 years since they've been married, 25. Mm -hmm. So I would say he was a teen or in his early 20s when he was doing that, before Mama Argent. Yeah, I mean, but the fact that he had that, like, the Celtic fivefold note, it wasn't just, like, a picture on the table. It was, like, enameled into the desk. Like, it's like his desk is, like... 
a Celtic desk. And he knew about it when, you know, when they found Paige in that basement with the tree. He knew about all of that stuff. So I'm really thinking that there's something more to it here. But, I mean, do you also think it was realistic that Alison, uh, you know, Alison's finding all this stuff about her father. And, like, that she's assuming that he's the killer rather than he's tracking the killer. I mean, it is a bit of a kind of situation in which it's like, oh, if he's doing the good guy stuff, why is he, like, not telling anyone at all about it? Like, why is he keeping this from yeah. anyone? So I guess it could be assumed that there was something sinister. But, like, do you think it was, like, weird that she kind of assumed that he was the bad bad guy? Yeah, I – that was – And what was she going to do if, if she found out that, like, <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, okay, Dad, going to kill you now. Got my yeah, werewolf exactly. sort of new boyfriend and, and we're going to kill you. <laughs> that's, that's what I was saying because, like, you know, big surprise. I knew that it was a red herring because it, it just seemed really strange that, oh, all of a sudden Chris is the drock. And I think you can sort of explain it away as, you know, her being frustrated about everything, her being terrified, her finding all this information that her dad has that he's kept from her. I can see her just sort of kind of getting rid of all of the logic in her head and just being like, oh my God, my dad's the rock. You know, I have to go find him. Mm -hmm. And I think that deep down she didn't really think he was, but I think she was worried like, you know, everything else in her life has gone wrong. Look at her grandfather. Look at what happened to her mother. Look at what happened to her aunt. Why not her father being the Drock? You know, it would just <laughs> kind of make sense at this point. And you know what? This brings up a really good point from something I remember you writing, Karen, when the Team Wolf Season 3A introduction, you know, the the a little music video, I guess, that plays in the beginning um, was released. I remember you writing that there were um, a lot of hands that appear to be reaching out of graves. And there's one that's below on the screen, reaching up towards the ones that are above reaching down. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you said that that was, you know, dealing with all the deaths that Allison's had to deal with in her life. And I still think we are going to see a very close person to Allison die. I wouldn't put it past Jeff to kill off Chris because it seems he was forced into this storyline. He didn't have a purpose. And unless he does have a purpose, which I'm assuming he does, it's going to be all right to me if he dies because he's kind of had his purpose on the show already. He's done it. He's he's basically like, you know, sitting at home playing chess and all of a sudden he is chasing the Duroc out of nowhere. It, I know he kind of like got back into the game, but I didn't think he got back into the game that much. So that's where I'm coming from with um, you know, the possibility of his death or, um, you know, something relating to him not having as important of a storyline to the Duroc as we think he is. Cause I feel, I feel like, I hope it's not, but I feel like he was simply meant to be a red herring and he doesn't have too much more than that. And um, I'm hoping that we have more of this backstory of why he cares so much about druids and how he has, you know, everything that he does on that map and everything. Um, I'm assuming we're going to have that, but it just feels so weird and forced in. It just doesn't come off naturally as Chris, you know, Chris always had a plan and this didn't come off as I had a plan. It came off as I kind of shoved this all in last minute because I needed to be a red herring, you know? I mean, it, they were kind of laying the bones for this for quite a while because we found out a couple of episodes ago that, like, Allison found the map and we knew that Chris was teaming up, like, very early on, that he was teaming up with Derek and that sort of thing to help catch Cora and Boyd. So he sort of got his feet wet there. And I think that we were meant to understand that behind the scenes, he was kind of 
going around and checking things out and trying to figure things out because we saw him too look for the place where the Alpha Pack and Derek and all of them were fighting and where Allison showed up um, shooting the arrows. So I think like, yeah, we were meant to assume that he's been kind of working in the background this whole time and it's sort of come to a head like now closer to the Mm. end of the series. Well, I mean, if we're saying that, then I guess that we can fairly judge harshly the Peter situation and the fact that he's just been taking all of his evil little scheming time healing and everyone's letting him do that. (laughs) So to me, it seems like uh, we're going to see a large reveal with Chris and Peter not connected, but there's going to be something that's going to happen that um, those characters have been planning for a while and I don't know, I don't know what it is. I really don't. But there has to be something because I just I'm holding on to the belief that Jeff would not hang us on a limb with characters like that, you know. I mean, regarding Chris, we talked before about like whether he could potentially die or you know if the sheriff would potentially die as well, and we kind of came to the conclusion that they wouldn't because it would be sort of too difficult, like to deal with like the idea of homeless Allison, really. Yeah, right? kind of like yeah, kind of like. Yeah, like, kids who need guardians. I mean, with Isaac, it was never really explained, like, you know, how he got to go live with Derek. Presumably he was, like, officially in the care of someone else, and then he was just like, nope, Mm. to them. But, um, I mean, if Styles' dad died, he would be, like, a ward of the, you know, I mean, presumably he has other family. He wouldn't be, like, a ward of the state, but he'd you know, being the circumstance of like, oh, I'm an underage orphan. Whereas Oh, but guess what? But Allison is older and she's gonna be eighteen, like if if not eighteen already, is could be eighteen really soon. So But she or, has a family member in the show, Natalie. What, Gerard? Oh no, 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 no. She wouldn't be put into Gerard's care. What I'm saying is like if they wanted to kill Chris, they could wait till Allison was eighteen and you know, which would be like the yeah. end of this season yeah. and then she could potentially be you know, in her own, even if she was, like, still taking herself to school and stuff, she'd be, like, a legal adult. Because we know that she's a year older than the others. Right. Okay, that's fair. That's very fair. I think that that time where she's 18 might be utilized, and if it is, I still think it would be through Gerard, because that is her only family member that we know of that's around. I mean, I guess we can assume that he's the closest family that she would have at this point in her life. Um... And if th- that comes off as kind of like like an Annie storyline, you know, where she you get shoved into the wrong hands of the wrong guardians or something like that. Um, but anyways, um, I can see something with Gerard happening and being her guardian because he he just like Chris, just like Peter, is acting a lot in the background, isn't really, you know – shown doing what he really must be doing because he was way too important in the last season to just drop off the face of the earth um and uh where i was going with that was that i don't think he really bought um gerard that is i don't think he bought scott's threat because that was way too much of a oh i'm so shivering in me timbers from you scott because <laughs> I, I just don't see him being scared of scott no matter what Ever, 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 ever. I think of how he nimbly took down um, Styles without even blinking. I no doubt he could still take down Scott with some kind cunning, conniving something. So that's where I see it leading into, oh, now that Chris is dead, I am your guardian, Allison. I will puppeteer your life and get Scott, blah, 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 blah. you know, he'll do something with that. 
Um, I think that you're right in that he's not scared of Scott, but I also think he's wrong to not be scared of Scott, if you know what I mean. I think that he... I think he's wrong not to be scared of Scott to a certain extent, because I think he's always a little bit too arrogant. Yeah, I mean, I just think that he, as, um, yeah, as a character, like, he didn't take Scott's threat seriously, but that he, yeah, basically that he should have, because I think that Scott's a lot more powerful than, you know, we know about, but... Basically, that kind of ties, I guess, into the next point, um, which we were going to talk about, which was Scott talking to Morel and basically flat out asking if, if she was the killer. And um, Morel, whether she knows or not who is doing it, I still kind of can't work out. But he, she, she kind of spells out to him exactly what Ducalian's deal is, which is that that if Ducalian, Ducalian wants Scott, who may or may not becoming a true alpha in his pack willingly. Um, and the only reason that he, the only way that he can be a true alpha is, you know, if he goes willingly, because if he kills someone then he's not, to become an alpha, then he's not a true alpha. And basically, Jukalian's whole deal, Morel explains to him, is that if Jukalian can't have a true alpha in his pack, he's going to make Scott into a killer and kill the opportunity that he would have to become a, um, a true alpha. So it's like, if I can't have it, no one can kind of thing. And I really liked the element here of Morel being like, if you want the psychologist's point of view, he, like he's an obsessive, blah, blah. But in general, what did you think of like, do you, yeah, Morel kind of laying all this stuff out? And she still does this thing where she tells everyone stuff, but like does nothing to help. So what do you reckon? Like, Karen, what did you think about the whole psychologist thing? Well, I think in a way her hands are tied. And I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Morel. I think like Jeff has said before, Deaton thinks he's a good guy and morale is sort of that gray area. I wouldn't necessarily say she's a bad guy, but I mean, she's still the emissary to the alpha pack. So she's got to have a little leeway with her morals, but her hands are kind of tied because Deucalion is kind of a scary guy and I could see why she wouldn't really do anything to help. But the cool thing is what I really liked about this scene was that she said, I've been the one pulling the leash taut whenever the alpha pack is, you know, wanting to attack people. Pokemon. And she's, and she's basically keeping the kids safe without them knowing it. And it was just nice to have that little clarification about where she stands and what she's actually doing. Yeah. I mean, it's just really confusing to me, basically like um, how much power like Jukalian or the werewolves have over their emissaries or how much power Jukalian has in general, because you know what? We haven't seen the return of the demon wolf or whatever the hell that is meant to mean. Like, was that just some really weird, <laughs> like, show, or, like, does Jukalian have powers that we don't know about, except that he's blind and can see a bit when he's a werewolf, which is still less powers than a non-blind werewolf has, you know? Like, uh, so what is the deal there? Like, I don't understand, you know, what what Jukalian has going for him that's that big a deal, or why um, the Darak is so, you know, is so scared or, or whatever of what the Alpha Pack can do that she is trying to take them all down. Guys, I think we're missing also a large hunk of what's going on with Morel and what's going on with what happened at the bank and why she was there exactly doing what she was doing, why she instructed Allison, all that garbage. And I'm still um, stuck way, 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 way back on season three, episode one. Isaac is saved by who? For what reason? What was he doing? 
That's coming back. We're gonna see that we don't know that yet, but it's good. The girl who saved him is coming back. I, like I'm presuming that again she was some sort of emissary, but we um right yeah, but we don't but know. How, so we, so uh, it's com- it's confirmed that we do not know who, what, when, where, why Isaac was stuck in that situation where he was hurt, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure because that's yeah, and, it's, co- no, it's, and it's and coming that relates back. too much to the bank because she led. Uh, the girls to the bank, you know, and that's what connects her to Morel to my brain. Uh, it is coming back that whole girl thing that we awesome. don't know about, but Morel, so that... I, I think, was just in her role as the emissary to the Alpha Pack, was doing the stuff that she was being told to do and helping um, Decalion, but sort of not believing in it. So in the meantime, kind of like helping Allison to get out or whatever. Right basically betraying her and for whatever reason they decided to um put the body of person i'm forgetting because she's dead now wow erica <laughs> thank you in the closet yeah huh? huh? was that planned was that morel doing that was she pulling some more strings i see her as a very big string puller and i see her as more than an emissary i see her as doing something with Allison in that scene. I see that as being important too. I just know that there's more to her than we're seeing whatsoever. I think that she's just one of the most enigmatic characters we have in the show so far. I don't yeah, know. I think it's going to take a while to figure out exactly what Morel is up to. As far as Erica's body, I think Kali just kind of dumped it in the closet because she <laughs> killed her and then she didn't care because she doesn't have a conscience. Right, right. So that's that's nothing Morel, and I can't really see where that'd be Morel. It was just was such a weird correlation between Erica's body being in the closet that Morel told Allison to go in, you know? So what do you think about Jukalian, you know, wanting to either, like, you know, being like a child throwing his toys and being like, if I can't have a true alpha, no one can. <laughs> He's a spoiled brat. I mean... Is. I, I'm not surprised because I think that fits very well with his personality. But and, and we see this in one of the clips for I think it was in the mid-season finale trailer, maybe. But Scott obviously has to decide and he's making a very hard decision. And honestly, he's not going to kill anybody. I really, really don't think that he is. That's not the point of Scott's character. But I think he's going to be in hot water for a while, and I think Ducalion is going to do his best to make that decision really, really hard on Scott. Yeah, I mean, like, how much can he do to, like, make Scott be in his pack without having Scott kill anyone? Like, what, just, like, threaten other people? But then it's not a real, like, for Scott to willingly, like, be in his pack, like, properly, surely it has to be, like... He has to be willing, like like heart and mind and everything, not just like, oh, I'm saying I'm in your pack because you're threatening to kill my mom or whatever. Like, it's surely it's not a real connection if he's not. All this stuff about like packs and you know like how losing a pack member is like worse than losing a limb and all that stuff. Like, surely Scott wouldn't feel like that about being in the Alpha Pack if his like heart and mind aren't actually in it and it's just by force. Right, you have to buy into those devious ways. You have to buy into that, those murderous intentions. You can't be forced into them. Unless Deucalion makes Scott do the crazy werewolf robe pledge of allegiance. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's forced into it. Yeah. I don't you lost know. me we, there. <laughs> we have a theory on this podcast that to become somebody's beta or to be in somebody's pack, they have to do like this. 
yeah, ceremony with candles and hoods. Oh, and, no. And, yeah. Like a fraternity, just, like Monsters University. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was this joke that just got, like, way out of hand at this point. That's cute. It's like Animal House or something. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> because they say that these bonds of being in pack is so important. And if it's not just that it's with the person that bit you, then how the hell do you become in someone's pack to this point that you're really bonded with them? Because It's like becoming, like, blood brothers with someone or something, right? Yeah, like, do they do, like, a spit shake, you know? like <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of, exactly. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, that's strange. Wow. But anyway. I'm not going to say plot hole, but I think we'll get the explanation eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'd like yeah. To know, so, yeah. I'd like to know that, Jeff, please. <laughs> But, yeah, then I guess moving on from that, Lydia is sort of, I guess, following her instincts and finds the place where the next, uh, the teacher at the school was uh, kidnapped and finds, I guess, it goes from his classroom plan to, like, some crazy symbol and Lydia herself writes, like, a number two in in the pattern after the teacher is taken and then... Basically, because she's starting to kind of trust herself, even though it's a bit crazy, she starts alerting everyone, being like, this is a thing, this is a thing, and basically then being like, why isn't anyone taking me seriously? You know, why isn't anyone calling the police? And that's when Jennifer comes into it and starts... Dun, dun, dun. Um, can we talk for a second, just by the way, about Jennifer in this... I think it, I think it actually happens beforehand. When, like, Derek comes to see her at the school... Yeah. Um, and, like, how weird was, like, and, and that, I mean, that was a very natural reaction in that, like, you know, she was like, where the hell have you been, you know, the kid, because this is what I said the last episode, I'm like, what is she going to be like about those, like, you know, the twins kidnapping her and all of that, like, whether she knows about werewolves or not, like, how is she going to react to, like, having them manhandle her around, and, um, exactly. and, you know, she sort of says all of that to him. But then, but pinpoint that how right there, Jen, because he's all, like, smiley and romantic? Like, because we haven't actually seen him smile with her before. Like, we've seen them hook up, but we haven't seen him be like, oh, hey, baby. <laughs> how weird was that? That was strange. And the way he, like, kind of, like, you know, picks her up and swings her around um, was strange up until you put yourself in, in uh, his shoes. And I can. I can think of times where... Um, let's just say like I'm in a relationship and all of a sudden I'm having a bad day. I just can't stand it. And then I see him and I'm just like, ah, you don't even care who they are. You're just like super attached to them for the reasons of you can be, you know, like they're that person that you can, um, exude happiness toward and you haven't had that outlet for a while. So you're like, oh great, this person, take my feels. That's true. No, that's really true. It's just weird that it's Derek. (laughs) Yeah, yes. I love smiling. how this smile is post hookup though. Like he doesn't smile beforehand. It's like three days later. Yeah, the smile <laughs> was just. I just was like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened on this show. Like I don't, you know. It, it was, was just a weird, like, is non secular the right word for that scene? Non I mean, secular. Yeah, it is, it is going through chronologically. But well, I think it was it. kind of to show like. I don't know, just to enforce their relationship a bit more and, you know. And then show you, when you rewatch it, how evil Jennifer is. For real. Mm. And, I mean, it, it, it shows that she's evil and, okay, you open up that can of worms, Karen. She said, I'm scared of the twins, um, but it didn't seem like she had a reason to be scared of the twins. The twins had reason to be scared of her. The twins know she is the Dirac. 
Uh, maybe? No. Oh, I don't know. Okay. That's what I'm getting out of um, the preview where she's saying things. I won't get into that, actually. Mm-hmm. But yes, um, I'm under the impression that she was lying when she was saying she's scared of the twins. Oh, yeah, I think that she was. She was not even so- not even just as um the not even just as the Duroc, but even as she forced them to do that. Like she forced the alphas to take her up like that. And she was like, you better take me up right now to convince Derek that I'm the damsel, you know? No, I think that she was just playing the damsel. The damsel. Like, that, yeah, that she was letting, like, that it was part of... I don't know why she let herself get into that situation in, in case she, maybe she just wanted to see more about what was going on with the alphas, but... Right, um, she wanted to see it firsthand. She she, she wouldn't want to uh, hear the secondhand version, right? I mean, that, or, I mean, again, we're going to get into this more, but I, you know, there's, you know, mixed opinions about whether she's completely... Uh, evil like whether it's her whole personality you know whether it's you know mm. she's been lying and faking it the whole time or whether it's some sort of like a switch possessive yeah possession like oh this is my normal self and then oh it flips into like craziness and that neither is a less genuine if you know what i mean well not even just possession but about just being bipolar mm, potentially yeah you know because i i could see that happening like uh mm. Like I know you're, I know you're saying possession, but I don't buy possession because I don't think there was anything that had to possess her. I think that that Duroc is her, and the reason I'm saying bipolar still is that I feel like there's um, a supernatural bipolar in her. You know, like any normal person would be bipolar, would it turn into Duroc when they get angry? But the fact that she has <laughs> yeah, like like Duroc like persona the brings that out of her like when she's Dark angry. Willow, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's kind of what I mean, like that it's. I mean, her whole backstory is, I, I don't really understand. I mean, we're going to get into it. it. When they talked about, like, this person being all, like, slashed up in the... Did I miss something? Like, is this something that was talked about in another episode and that I missed? No. You didn't miss I anything. I really confused. <laughs> but anyway, we'll continue on quickly. And just because so, I'm remembering it now and we're talking yeah. a little bit about Darkness and Lydia finding out stuff... We glossed over Lydia's um, you find the bodies from now on thing after school or outside the school. And the reason I think that's important is because the body of that cop ended up not in the shower, ended up bloody and over the Beacon Hills high school sign. I don't understand that. Like, why did it move and why was it bloody? I think the drock just moved it, honestly. The drock was like, I want something more dramatic than this. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Karen, you've written some caps lock in this scene about you know, Lydia. <laughs> so do you want to go and explain yourself there? Oh, I just like okay. I've watched this episode three times, and I I still can't three get times. over. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah. Well, I always watch it at least twice, but this one I really had to watch three times, and <laughs> because Jennifer. Oh, Haley, you lied to us. Not that I expected her to do anything else because she had to, but I really, really didn't want Jennifer to be evil and just rewatching the episode and stuff and watching her interact with Derek or Lydia in this scene with the chalkboard that we were just talking about. Mm. It just, I mean, she's a good actress and Jennifer, I'm saying, is a good actress because you don't really see anything until that episode or until that scene where she like bludgeons Lydia over the head. I mean, 
The only thing that kept recurring was, like, the leaves blowing up everywhere. Like, and I don't know whether it was just meant to be a windy day, but I think that that was her. But, like... And I also think that her interest in Lydia in those two scenes, in the um, drawing of the two on the chalkboard scene and I'm drawing a tree in my notebook scene, those two cued me into a curiosity in um, the character of the teacher, of um, Jennifer. So... um, I, I think that you're right to a certain extent, Karen, but not until this episode happened did I believe she could have something fishy going on, you know? I mean, I did. We, there was a lot of theories about it because people saw, um, yeah, number one, in her, like, weird statements to Derek about, like, faking, you know, death and stuff like that, which still isn't explained, by the way. Like, I mean, they, mm-hmm. you know, it's, well, you know, when she went back to Derek's to hook up and she was, you know, he was kind of like, oh, everyone will think I'm dead. And he's like, she's kind of, the first thing that made me go, that's really weird, was her automatic response was like, oh, but that's like a good thing. Like, you know, that's, you know, being used for the positive in literary devices. And I don't know if it's really been mm-hmm. explained yet. When we spoke to Haley, you know, she was like, well, that will make sense soon. I mean, I knew there was something going on with Jennifer for a few, like that she wasn't just simply innocent, naive, because Haley sort of hinted that there were things to be explained further about her and that was sentence was one of them and I don't know if that's still yet to be explained um whether you know whether that actually is meant to have made sense yet or not and then in in the mid-season um trailer which you guys saw at comic-con I think that people sort of got a bit of an idea that it was her because or that something was going on with her because she was uh that bit where she was strangling Lydia was in the trailer and I mean you didn't see her face or anything but you saw her the hands and then people saw her in the um scene which is going to be in the next episode where they're in the hospital and it's her Derek Scott and Styles all sort of defending their corridor or whatever and it's the same top like it's this like it's like a weird like lace um sleeves around the wrists and it was people kind of was like is that the same top like is that the of the person strangling Lydia and what Jennifer's wearing there and it turned out that it was so there was a bit of suspicion around her for various reasons but i'm Mm -hmm. still not exactly sure what's going on to me that's a bit sloppy that it was shown basically that she was a murderer at least from that strangle scene because i don't know it was was pretty hard two weeks ago it it was pretty hard to pick out like it was honestly i don't think that teen wolf would think that people would like necessarily Oh come on it's teen wolf (laughs) well no i I think that plus tumblr equals everything will be known i don't I think that they're a little bit naive to it sometimes. Like they're not like they're not that experienced in running a show. I mean, they've been they're in their third season, but I think that they I think yeah. that there's stuff that they wouldn't necessarily expect people to figure out. Um, and that they That's maybe funny. they thought they cut it like close enough, and that but that they didn't realize that people would like freeze frame every still and like you know lighten it up and try and work out if it was the same thing. Like I think that they I mean to may me, not have realized being... how much they you know what right. we're doing there like if i was making anything horror or mystery whatsoever i would never show the death or the attempted murder of someone from that murderer that just in in, in any kind of like you know electronic media people are going to freeze it they're going to find a reason to connect it to a different character they will they will spoil it for everyone i, I just think that, that that's why i'm coming off of um that was sloppy and mm. no um, i get you what know, you like mean because, like, there's so many other scenes of people in danger that they easily could have used. Like, I just think that that was not necessary. Like, that one you split split frame of Lydia being panicked, 
was quite frankly pretty generic other than the fact that she's being strangled you know she's almost always in a screaming banshee mood you know so that's <laughs> <laughs> that one <laughs> you have to remember though that even though a lot of teen wolf fans are on tumblr and stuff they teen wolf also has to cater to the generic fans too the ones that aren't going to freeze frame everything so i think that on the one hand yeah people did figure it out from that but we also didn't know exactly what was going on because I know, like, I saw an actual still before the um, the episode aired that showed Jennifer choking Lydia. And I was like, oh, well, maybe she's possessed, maybe this, maybe that. So oh. I think that, yeah, you know, maybe they should be more careful next time. But you also have to remember that a lot of people just watch the show. They don't troll Tumblr and stuff. Right, but I still think you always have to worry about the umpteenth degree. And even if they're not trolling Tumblr, I just I don't know. I get scared of word of mouth, and I don't want them to ruin their really well thought out show. And it just it just makes me very frustrated that that's the slip up, you know? Because um, there's so many other things that I could understand a little bit better. Like perhaps if Haley said something big and revealing on um you know the NHW interview or something like that would have been even more understandable than still because the stills just seems so darn avoidable to me i just i can't get over um the simplicity of it you know but i mm. i mean i see where you're coming from karen i really do because i do understand that we are the one percent we are the one percent you know <laughs> we are the nitpickers to the t because that's what we do as a podcast so that's fine that um in the generic viewers perspective you know i'm i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah 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 I, I do know what you mean, but uh, again, I was just, I was a little bit, um, I, I'm still kind of a little bit confused, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. So I kind of suspected that she was going to come into it in some way, that she was going to have some like evil turn, but I didn't know whether she was going to be like the full on kind of or whether she was going to be like possessed by someone or just a druid or like an, you know, at first we thought she was like secretly an alpha and all of that kind of stuff. But didn't I tell you that I thought that the Dirac face looked female? Yes, you did. When you I totally saw, called that, When actually. I saw it, I was just like, it looks fe- I don't know why. And I wasn't just like being like, oh, I'm just saying this to say it, which sometimes I do. Yeah. Um, like, sometimes <laughs> like, well, no, not in the, like, sometimes I just like come out with theories and I like don't know where I'm getting it from. But I thought this when I watched the episode, I was like, that looks female. But anyway. Um, I think it's her jawline. I think it's the Dirac's jawline. It looks... And her chin is just a little bit smaller than a male's would be, even though it's extremely disfigured and, you know, puffy and scarred up. That's what it comes off as to me is the giveaway. But anyway, I mean, the next big thing, obviously, was like Allison and Isaac sort of communicating with um, Styles and Scott, um, which was that... um, I mean, I presume that Scott knows that Allison with this. I, I'm still confused about that, so I'm not going to get into that again. But I'm a little bit. I'm going to watch again and and figure out what I think about the whole like why Allison is with Isaac and whether Scott is down with it. But they basically kind of tell the others that Allison has decided that her dad is the murderer and that they need to tell Styles' dad to keep him safe. Like both because they think that the pattern is. Um, the guardians and and not the philosophers and it's all a bit mixed up like people know things at different times basically they 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 figure out that you know number one styles's dad might be in danger but number two that they might know who the killer is and so the styles's dad needs to do something about it as the sheriff and styles 
is basically going to try and convince um, his father that werewolves are real and he takes Cora um, he because he says oh, I'm gonna get her home and then he kind of decides oh I'm gonna take take her with me I mean is Scott in that scene when Allison calls Styles or is it just Styles and Cora again I'm trying to work out if Scott knows about Isaac being there but it's not that important I'm so I'm so forgetting a phone conversation between oh it was on um it was driving I don't remember Scott being in the car it was yeah. just okay in that case Styles I'm gonna still and, go yeah. with Isaac being there of his own volition so moving on from that Styles and Cora you know trying to convince Styles' daddy about werewolves and the whole chess game and seeing the whole board. What do we think here? It was amazing. I mean, it was really, really funny. And I loved how it came full circle again with the chess board and seeing the whole board and that sort of thing. I thought that was really cool. Um, and yeah, Styles doing it with chess pieces and little like notes, you know, this is who and the sheriff is like, wait, so Deaton's the Canama and but Jackson's a werewolf and no, Drew was purple. Like (laughs) I was like, purple, that's pink, what? (laughs) Yeah, it was so funny. But then like, you know, they bring you right back down because then the sheriff sort of walks off and he doesn't believe Styles, and it's, it's like, oh, come why on. Why is he sitting there, like, letting him explain the whole thing? Yeah. And then, and not being like, what, like, stopping him as soon as he said, what, werewolves, you know, like, why was he, maybe he'd, like, heard rumours and he, like, you know, well, I mean, we know he's, like, heard rumours and stuff, but maybe he'd heard things and, and start, what Styles was saying was matching up and he was, like, trying to kind of bring himself to be, like, okay, what, what, maybe this is a thing, and then he finally is just like, no, I can't, like, I, I cannot possibly accept this, um, and obviously Cora doesn't wolf out, she just faints, um, when, you know, yeah. she's trying to prove himself, uh, which is, again, a bit weird, like, why is she so injured, but, I don't know, like, they obviously Why does she not take... know she's injured up until that faint? <laughs> you know, they obviously take her to the hospital, and, um, and that's sort of when Styles and his dad you know, have that big yelling thing that we, we spoke about earlier with the, your mum, uh, you know, my mum would have believed. And that was a big explosion. We didn't even talk about that from Papa Stolinski. That was uh, the first yell, 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 yell yeah. that we've heard from Papa Stolinski ever. He's he's gotten angry, but he's never gotten to that level. He re- he's always been like, if anything, at like an eight and a half. Then he reached like a ten point two. If you ask yeah. me, like that was yeah. When he was like, I have been listening, and and that was scary. Yeah, it me. was actually. It made me worry that he thinks there's something really wrong with Styles. Like, and that's where and I'm I've worried to about lean that. Way before, like, that. I've worried about that before that he thinks that Styles is crazy if you know what I mean or mm. really, or like that his like, you know stuff with the um you know stuff that he's done like when he's caught him doing stuff like with the police and all of that kind of stuff that he thinks that Styles is like you know really crazy either like just mentally unstable like having some sort of you know freak out or that he thinks Styles is like you know, we know he's meant to have been treated for ADD, but they they think it's like further down the line that he thinks, oh my god, my son is like not socially functioning. He believes all of this stuff, like not in a schizophrenic way, more like in like an autistic way, maybe. Like that he either mm-hmm. thinks that Styles has snapped, or that there's something very wrong with him, and that he's worried about it, or that he just can't cope with what he's hearing. And I don't know which one 
It is, but I've worried before in the past that he's caught Styles doing this weird stuff and that he thinks that there's something really wrong with Styles. Yeah, and I, I think that the kind of coffin in that nail already happened a long time ago natalie he still hasn't come to believe it but there's no way of going back from that until he believes werewolves and yeah that 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 nail was locking the canima in the armored van stealing yeah, that stealing the van was definitely right. like there's no explanation like for it you no know? that's like, just too much for anyone who doesn't know like supernatural stuff you, to understand. you know like what the hell you know, are you a delinquent are you like crazy like what is going on and yeah it's, exactly you're right yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm seeing a lot of parallels between Scott and his mom and Styles and his dad. I wish Melissa um, would just tell the sheriff, but anyway. Right? No, that would be convenient. That'd yeah. be convenient if uh, Mama McCall was to have a sit-down with, you know, the sheriff. That would that make things a little bit easier. But, um, yeah, it's funny how he doesn't even question how bendy of the rules she is for him all the time. And... It just, um, it seems like he would catch on to at least what an adult was thinking about this situation. Or maybe Papa Stolinski would go to Scott and be like, hey, what's wrong with your best friend? He's really acting strange. Um, I feel like there there has to have been a point by now where he's thought about it at least. I need to find out what's going on with my son from the other, the other people in his life. And um, I think that it would be an obvious choice to go to to either McCall and um, especially even the mom uh, because not only because she's an adult but because we did used to have that um, cutesy you're an idiot styles get out of my way feeling from like season one season two and at, like half of season two so um you know that they had a relationship and I think that that would be a good way of um, breaking up this monotony quite frankly of uh, this fight of there's werewolves no there's not i don't believe in supernatural crap if you know mama mccall was just to sit him down and be like listen i know your son i've been around him a lot blah 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 i mean it's a little bit moot now because we know at least by the end of the episode obviously we're gonna see you know um papa Stilinski being stabbed and then like kidnapped and whatever which is all very horrible but he sees scott wolfed out completely like and he, clearly he's whatever that before he's already uh no he hasn't seen him completely wolfed out he's seen his eyes glowing i think but he hasn't seen him com- like scott had his wolf face on like his ears and his you know hairline and <laughs> he and his teeth he yeah. had his wolfness on and he saw that papa stolinski saw that and now he's gone and been kidnapped and you know we don't know you know what it, what's going to happen to him presumably he's not going to die but um he is not going to get out of this scenario without finding out about the werewolves, if you know what I mean, and without believing. Yeah. Like he, and so I don't know if he's going to like turn that around and apologize to Styles or what is going to happen. But I think that, you know, they went through this massive like up and down in this episode, and the result is still like he is going to know by the end of this. Like this is clearly a two-parter. I mean, or even more than a two-parter because we've ended on a very. A dramatic note that's going to go straight into the remainder of this same night, basically at the hospital um, later. But he's going to. I'm so know. sorry for going on that. McCall should tell Stalinsky bit because I was I was convinced that um, he's at the end of this episode wasn't going to believe in werewolves, but then I realized, oh crap, he was kidnapped by uh, Darak. He's going to. Yeah, I mean, he's going to see some stuff in this whole kidnapping <laughs> yeah. scenario. Yeah, he's not going to come back from that one cleansed and squeaky clean. But the, I mean, the result is he tries to convince his father, uh, and in the meantime, Allison is uh, taking Isaac to go and basically what take down her dad. Like so, that's 
that's fine. I guess that's cool. Like, Argents are used to killing other Argents, apparently, so whatever. Um, oh, ouch! Well, ouch, Natalie! It, they're all nuts. Um, yeah, but <laughs> man. Anyway, they I are. love, really I love that they were like, that, this is the thing again, like, um, that we, between Allison and, and Isaac that I really loved, like, when they went in and Allison. You know, Isaac was like, just so you know, if your dad attacks me, I'm going to defend myself. And Allison's like, if my dad attacks you, you're going to be dead. Like, thing. And just, again, it was just really like, Scott would never say that to her. Scott would be like, of course I won't hurt your daddy, Allison, kind of thing. And yeah. it would be like, so I kind of liked that. But they, they discover very rapidly, basically, that the man is being kind of chained up to a, I, I don't know what they're doing, like in a, very weird. And anyway... And that the, yeah, they sort of go up to where the body is, and then Chris comes running behind them with, like, two guns and does some shooting. He, like, jumps through the air, firing two guns at the same time, which um, hopefully someone gets that reference. But, um, yeah, and, and then Allison's like, oh, right, you're hunting the guy. And, not, and they see the Dirac, like, they see the melty face um, creature, kind of. But it's really weird, because he yells to Allison and Isaac. He's like, go help him, like, to the man strung up but then by the time we see him next he's like dead in a puddle on the floor of like a lot of blood so did like chris accidentally shoot him like like why was there so much blood like like i did i was like he was strung up around his neck by a chain which is not pleasant but chris seemed to imply that he was still alive that they should go and help him and then when they see you see them dealing with the body he's like on the ground with a massive pile of blood around his head so <laughs> go help Chris him. accidentally kill him in the process of like trying to shoot down the Dirac <laughs> I don't think so I Are think you sure? probably sliced his throat or something but that would be kind of funny like oops meant to save you yeah I mean it's happened for the greater good or, or something right oh. oh god um but, yeah, so, I mean, no one was really surprised that Chris was, like, secretly hunting the Dirac, I don't think. But, again, I'm confused as to why he kept it such a secret. Like, what? Unless he thought it was going to, like, he didn't want it. He didn't know who the Dirac was, so he didn't want it to get out that he was on its trail, if you know what I mean. And why he felt it necessary to buy that ornate Celtic desk. Yes. I just, uh... The death um, thing, I, I think he does have a history with druids in some way, because... It's all just too obvious to me, though, Natalie. It's like he wanted someone to discover it. It's like he wanted Allison to follow him. Mm, I don't know. He left it on his desk. It's right there. I mean... Yeah, but he was using a black light. Like, he didn't know that she could see it. Like, and he clearly always had that desk, but not known what it was, if you know what I mean. Oh, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. The black light is legitimate, too. Yeah, like, he was he was trying to hide it. Allison's just crafty, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, how does she, I don't know how she found that in the first place. Like, did she just go around her house, the blacklight, looking for writing on the walls and stuff? Like, <laughs> Maybe her mother taught her to be really careful and stuff and, like, just examine every every surface before she anything. sits down for, like, dirt, you know, dirt or, like, you know, stains or something like that and be, like, run the blacklight over it. Anyway. She sorry. would, though. <laughs> yeah. I just want to jump ahead here and talk about this body that was found with the slash marks and stuff, because I know that we were kind of confused about that, because... Has that ever been referenced out. before? No. Because okay, they popped into it like it was the thing that everyone yeah. knows about. Like, and I was like, yeah. uh... Yeah. Here's my thing about this, because, okay, we find out that 
about 10 years ago, there was this body that was found, slash marks all over the place. As the girl was struggling to stay alive, birds were flying into things and sacrificing themselves. And we find out that it's Jennifer. So I think what we're supposed to assume is that Jennifer was an emissary to either Kali, Ennis, or the twins. I'm going to guess the twins just because this is the episode where their story was been told. And that she was the one that was killed, quote unquote, but really she didn't die. They found her. They took her to the hospital and all of that stuff happens. But you're right. I mean, this is the first time that we're hearing about it. And my question is, like, how did why did the sheriff go to the hospital and know to look into this sort of things? Like, was he finally processing what Styles was telling him and decided to tell mm. Melissa, like, look for weird stuff that's been going on? I was really confused. There's been a few things that have come up. Like the thing about Guardian, the Guardians and Philosophers. Have we heard that before in the show either? That was this episode. That was brand new. Yeah, no, but before this episode. Have we heard that those are the the different categories? I wish we did. I really do. I don't think so. Because I knew that. When he was like, oh, yeah, it's Guardians and Philosophers. I was like, yeah. So I don't know if someone, I don't know if this is like a true cycle of sacrifices, if you know what I mean. Like if this is something that happens in some sort of other mythology and that someone, maybe someone pulled up some like meta about it. But I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like doctors. It's like healers, guardians, philosophers. And it's not just like I know all these facts. I think when research, I think someone came across this in research about like what potential sacrifices could be. Like I don't think this is just yeah just, just new I, to Teen Wolf because I'd read right. this before this episode. Right. I think I remember something about philosophers, but I'm not sure I remember reading something about guardians. But yeah, yeah I think people looked it up and and this is sort of like how it a goes real normally. Cycle or something. And I guess like. a good yeah. way of putting it is basically like this is the equivalent of Roy G. Biv. You know, it goes whatever the <laughs> colors are because I don't know them off the top of my yeah. head. Right? Yeah. Yeah, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. But yeah, I feel like that this was a real sacrificial cycle because there's definitely been pulled stuff pulled up. I'm like, oh yeah, like I wasn't like, what? Philosophers? I was like, yeah, I've read that. So someone found it in some sort Well, you're definitely psychic because you predicted something else. Uh, oh, the female Dirac. Oh, well, I don't know. I just, I just <laughs> thought it looked female. I mean, that's a 50 50 chance. But you're yeah, psychic. you're something. Yeah, I'm something. Um, <laughs> I don't know the whole thing about. I to, I'm going to assume that you're correct about the emissary. Like I, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but it makes sense. Like whether it was like yeah, Carl. I mean, we know that the whole thing with, we know Carly and Ennis still had their packs around how long ago. What, yeah, Paige. So that was like what like. Between okay. six and ten years ago. Like, we don't know exactly. They say ten years casually a lot in this show. We don't know whether they mean exactly ten years or nine years or whatever they mean. Like, we don't know how soon Carly killed her pack. Like, if it was, like, a year after that. If it was, you know, how how long ago the twins killed their pack. I mean, the twins would make sense because she made all those references about the twins. And, like, I feel like it's going to be, like, a big deal for... I mean, that would really potentially get, like, Ethan and maybe Aiden on... on their side, like on Scott's side, but um, yeah, that comes off because they're, they're like, oh, you did this kind of thing. But um, and I mean, are they from Beacon Hills? Like, do uh, it, did this happen in Beacon Hills? Like, you know, do we still think Paige is involved in some way? Like, maybe she was like the daughter of like a druid or something. And um, 
and it's some sort of vengeance. I, I genuinely don't know, but I think the being slashed up um, makes sense that it is the twins' emissary. Um, so, what, no, what I was, was going to say, Natalie, is that um, I'm just as perplexed as you are with years, and the classic example in Team Wolf is the hail fire, mm. how that's never distinctly given the year. Um, which is, yeah, I mean, is it, is it now? Because I thought confirmed that it's definitely like six years before the start of season, um, th- season one. Like, regardless so, of Styles is ten years ago. Didn't he say ten years ago? He was like, oh, he was like, like ten years ago, but it was six years ago. Oh. Like Jeff has confirmed that it was six years before the start of season one. We just don't oh. know how old Derek was at the time when it happened. If you know what I mean, it's been. I mean, it's been referenced that him and Laura were like at school, like in the show. Like that. That was the reason they those two survived. That they were the youngest and they were at school. But maybe they were away at college. Like, I don't know. Like, it's been really, really right. confusing. But and that was every- lampshaded, too, when Styles said, how old are you, Cora? I'm mm. 17. See, yeah. why can't you answer that, Peter? Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing about ages, and Jeff keeps playing a bit coy about it, like on the Tumblr Q&A this week, everyone kept being like the ages. And, I mean, it got a bit nasty and people being like, we want to know because we don't think that you know your own continuity. And I'm like, dude, I don't think that that's what it is. You need to calm down. But yeah. um, but I agree. I think he it, knows it. <laughs> I think he knows it. But he kept he kept because his answers were coy. He kept being like, "Why are you guys so obsessed with how old like the ages? Why do you need to know so badly?" And he did say it a bit like, "I don't understand why this is a big deal to you, but I think he knows. Like, I don't. I think that he has mm. got it all planned." Yes, and I think that those ages will reveal a little bit more about that aging thing we were talking about if yeah. it happens if it slows down after puberty or, or whatever we were talking about. Yeah. Um, okay, so then I have a question for you two then um and maybe you know this in some depth of a twitter q a or something mm-hmm. are we getting answers for cora are we going to find out what's going on with cora that was my main question from the q a that you recently posted karen that, well, that she Cora's... was in south america or whatever right she was hanging out in south america and she By was herself. assumed to be burning the fire but she wasn't but Derek didn't know that up until she showed up, and then he stopped questioning what happened to her because she was there and he didn't care anymore. I think a lot has been going on since when she first showed up. He's had a little bit on his mind, but I yeah. think we are going to find out more about Cora because why would they just introduce her and then not really do anything with her? Mm. And whether you know that information is found out post mortem, I don't know. I'm not quite sure Cora is going to survive this. First half of the season, yeah. um, it's possible, but who knows? And, yeah, I think that whatever it is, we will find out some more information. And that doesn't bother you? Like, that doesn't bother you at all with Korra or the twins or a lot of characters in the show that we don't find out their backstory, but they're so largely a part of the action, even though there is downtime? Because, I mean, I can think of, for instance, before Kali attacks Derek in his apartment – it seems like Cora was just working out and she was having a grand old time. She had all the free time in the world. And, um, you know, Derek's just brooding in his apartment. Um, why didn't have a conversation during that period of time? You know, I just, it just feels like, um, I don't think it was relevant to the story at that point, because what you have to understand is that Jeff weaves the story really, really tightly. And I think everything is going to be revealed when it needs to be revealed. And maybe Mm. that sometimes feels like it's constructed a little bit. But I think that, you know, like in this episode, we found out the twins' backstory and we got the reveal of the Drock. And 
you know, I think anyway that they're intertwined. That's why we yeah, didn't get any oh, yes. about that. the twins yeah. earlier. That definitely speaks emissary to me. I agree, Karen. That makes perfect sense. And it lets me put a little bit more of my faith into the hands of Jeff that Korra's, you know, past will be revealed when it's necessary. And that's why it feels constructed, but it makes for better reveals. And that's why it has to be constructed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um... I mean, speaking of Cora, obviously when they take her to the hospital, you know, it turns out that she's very sick and kind of Derek is there all crying about it. So, I mean, do do we have any further theories on, like, why or how she's that damaged? Like, is the brain just something that you can't mess with? Or, like, what do you guys reckon? Well, brain... she's all like, what's happening to me? Like, it's some big new thing. So Right. Well, brains can't be messed with and neither can eyes. They're part of their head. They're part of the brain. They're part of, like, that whole brain sphere, if you ask me. So that's why Deucalion cannot see, and that's why she can't heal quickly from this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility with the brain being involved in everything. But I'm also wondering if the Drock, if Jennifer did something to Korra to kind of cause a distraction and maybe hold that power over Derek and the others because she knew that things were going to come to a head with the Alpha Pack. Mm -hmm. Like, when on earth have we ever seen a werewolf faint? Right, exactly. Oh, no, Derek. We've seen him faint plenty of times. What? Well, yes, when he, when he had get, when uh, we, when he had um we're talking season one he was uh dying blood dripping down in um oh that's the vet. true we have seen him fall onto the parking lot floor a couple of times I guess and <laughs> I mean he's I get like even he most recently did that to our lovely Duroc when he uh mm. oddly came to her to be rescued after his Ennis battle so like there had been werewolf. Uh, faints, but they've been more legitimate than this one, it seems, because they've been, like, edge of death on bleeding out. Yeah, not, exactly. I've been hit in the head. I mean, he was shot with a wolfsbane bullet, so that's going to have a lot more of right. effect mm-hmm. than getting hit in the head with, you know, a weight, which yeah. seems as horrible to us, but to a werewolf, I can't imagine, you know, that would really be all that bad. But... They get punched all the time in the head. It's never a big deal. Their fists are probably just as heavy I mean, with with force, at least, as that weight would have been, if you ask me. In, like, concrete walls. They hit concrete walls all the time. They go through concrete walls, you know? Like, that's never a big deal to them before. So there's something fishy. Yeah, if they can go through a concrete wall, if they can punch through a concrete wall, then I think that the weight shouldn't have been that big a deal. So, yeah, I'm a bit confused. Right, like well, Derek's working through the concrete wall to go get Boyd and Erica yeah. and all that. So their, their, their fists are fine. That's Yeah, this is a weird core situation. I don't understand. Um, so in the meantime, this whole recital is going on at the school and, um, I mean, Chris ends up sort of taking Allison and, um, and Isaac there because they realize that all the teachers are there and then Lydia is there as well. And that's the bit where she has the sort of moment with Scott and, you know, he's like, why aren't you at home? And she's like, I can't, like, I feel like I can't go home. And maybe if I stop fighting the feeling of of what I can do, then I can find them before they get dead. And obviously we have Danny and Ethan being all very cute and Ethan kind of being like, if something happens, find me. And the whole concert starts with the incredibly creepy music that Jennifer has orchestrated. So <laughs> well, of course she did. She's the Dirac, right? <laughs> but I'm like, do you think that the music had any like, um, like, 
the actual like that they were doing a chant that was like enhancing like mm. a something happening. I don't know, Karen See, this part really confused me because obviously Jennifer was with Lydia and the sheriff and she was doing all that. But then it looked like the rest of like the, the orchestra was under a trance, like in a trance or something. Even and of Danny. course, you had the part where the woman gets her throat sliced by the piano cord like. Was that all set up, or is there, like, a magical element into this? Like, I don't know what the Drox's powers are, because obviously she can heal from being shot, and obviously has some sort of power to change her form, which we kind of know with the Druids, but I feel like the Drock has a lot more power or something than, than we really have any idea well, about. yeah, I mean, she kind of, when she kills, when that lady at the piano dies, I mean, was she meant to be the third teacher sacrifice? Because they say, like, she kind of says, like, you know, one more philosopher, like, in regards to, um, you know, she's not actually killing Lydia, she's sort of doing an action that's, like, psychically, you know, severing the piano cord and killing someone that she's not even in the same room as, so... We know that she oh, can kill people when she's not in the same room as them, so that's, you know, a, a, a very marketable skill. But I'm so wondering... Wait, you're if... saying, Natalie, she had no intentions of killing Lydia, I even though don't... she was the Banshee? That gives her more reason to kill Lydia, if you ask me. Maybe. She did. She was going to kill Lydia because Lydia knew too much. Lydia yeah. knew who, that Jennifer was the Drock. Well, yeah, then, she was, but why I was she trying she to kill her? the third sacrifice. I think that she... I think that she each set each set of sacrifices that she's doing, she draws a power from them. Like we don't know what exactly, but I think that she, like, did we see her? Uh, like the way that she kind of said to, um, you know, the sheriff or whatever, the series of sacrifices, like the virgins, healers, uh, soldiers, and stuff. I think that with every set of sacrifices she does, she gets that power. Like mm. I don't know what she gets from the virgin um thing uh her virginity but, well i don't know <laughs> but like i think from the heels she gets like the ability to heal she gets the strength if you know what i mean she oh, gets okay. did, that's what i got from it that like it, say... that as the giraffe you know she she could be the drug but she didn't always have those powers each set of sacrifices gained her the power of the group that she was sacrificing and i don't know if the virgins was like purity um yeah some sort of like or if it was, like, just the start of the cycle, like, to invoke the deity of whatever they were, that whatever's giving her these powers. But I think that with every set of sacrifices she makes, she gets, like, and so that she basically killed the um the third philosopher before trying to kill Lydia, like, seconds before trying to kill Lydia in order to have that extra power as well. Does that make right. sense? Like, she would, maybe she would ruin her cycle if she killed Lydia first. Because yeah. she even says, Lydia, you're not part of um, any sacrifices. Yeah, yeah. I'm just killing you because you're in the way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you're right. So I think, Sorry. honestly, it seems like that piano string was, uh, like, on uh, a ticking time bomb. You know, it was just waiting to strike. And um, she knew in the back of her mind when it was going to happen. So basically she was like, oh, it's 7 o'clock. That thing just went. Time to kill you now, Lydia, because you yeah, won't ruin my cycle. That's, yeah, that's what I reckon. Right, 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 right. But I definitely kind of thought that, yeah, each time she did the set of sacrifices, she was imbibing whatever that sacrifice's uh, power was meant to be. No, like I agree a, on that. In a really extreme way, because obviously healers can't just heal from bullet wounds, but, like, you know what I mean? Like Definitely. Yeah. So there's still, like, a thousand and one things to talk about, like, everywhere. I don't want to jump around, 
Um, tell me if I'm going too far into asking what the mistletoe was with the piano lady, huh? I was wondering about that, too, and I don't understand why she had to have the mistletoe in her, because it, it was kind of like a thing, like, after the fact. I mean, she was already dead, and then they discovered the mistletoe. It's not like the mistletoe did anything to her prior to that. Yeah, the mistletoe I was did do what it did to Danny. As well. But maybe they have to be, like, again, maybe it's some sort of, like, sacrificial thing. Like, they have to have, you know, for it to work, they have to be, like, anointed with the special mistletoe right. oil or something mm-hmm. like that. And so maybe Danny really was a target because he'd been anointed with the mistletoe as well. But for what? He was not no, part of any sacrifice. Maybe he's a magic healer. Maybe he's something we don't know about. But Yes, um, that's where I think that falls into place. But yeah, I mean, was there anything else in regards to this? We had, obviously, we find out that Jennifer is the Dirac. She kind of attacks, um, you know, and, and then the sheriff confronts her about it and is basically like, oh, there was a woman found and blah, blah, was that you? And they kind of have that interaction. Okay, well, there's a lot of things right there then because he decides not to shoot her in the head but in the leg. Is that just part of, like, his sheriff deal? Yeah, I think so. I think you're meant to shoot in the upper thigh to disable people when you're, like, a good law-abiding person who's not actually trying to kill people that they don't 100% know are... I mean, even if, they, even if they do know they're guilty, not everywhere has, like, the death penalty, and it's certainly not, like, shoot on sight. So, Well, yeah. he was seeing her, like, throwing desks and, like, you know, in extreme power. You would think that um, anything of a supernatural sort, you'd want to just shoot in the head and get it over with, not shoot it in the leg. But he doesn't know all of that for sure. He doesn't so know what's he's like, going I on. Imagine that. Um, Styles just got shut out by that heavy desk. That just I don't know. He, I, I still think that you wouldn't necessarily like if you're like kind of a really rational person that you still wouldn't necessarily be just like kill it immediately like before right. if you before didn't it lays exactly, eggs, if you right? didn't <laughs> if you didn't exactly know what was going on. Okay, so then um, I have questions for how the scene got set up. Okay, so a couple of things we have find me first. Like I said, it was a hashtag. Had to be important, right? Except for it wasn't, unless this is a two-parter episode, because Danny didn't find him, or else we didn't see him finding him. So that didn't happen. Um, and then the Aiden cell phone incident. Aiden texts Lydia, life or death, come over to me, right? And um, I'm assuming... No. Okay, no, I, I think I just figured it out. That was Jennifer. Right. Time. Yeah, because he finds out his phone's missing. But it's Jennifer weird. It. It's yeah, it's Lydia. weird because doesn't like Lydia see him in the room, like in the same room? Right, that's why I'm confused. No, no, I because this part confused me too. That was Ethan, I'm pretty sure, and Ethan just sort of like nodded at her, and Aiden wasn't sitting next to him. Really? And so I think that like he was just looking at her, being like hi, and she thought it was like a confirmation of yeah, Aiden really needs to talk to you. Okay, and that's why I need a distinct difference within the show of Ethan and Aiden, because that part got me confused, and I think that's not the last time that's going to happen, because there's going to be nonverbal times where I won't be able to see, you know, characteristics of their personality shine through to see who's who. Like, I won't be able to tell which one's the psychopathic Hannibal Lecter and which one's the compassionate one if (laughs) it's just a nod, you know? Yeah. I, I'm gonna so, have I, mean, to I don't know what it is. Maybe well, it's like so. a new haircut. Maybe it's like a mole that they draw on. I don't know. Something. <laughs> so that's what that was then. It was just like, uh, wait, then. To get Lydia alone. No, 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 no. Because here's the thing, though. 
Then Aiden turns to Ethan and says, my phone's missing. He's sitting next to him. Right, but that was a little bit later. I think he must have, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, seats next to his brother. But it's a little confusing. So that's a little bit confusing, but do you guys agree with me that we're going to see the continuation of this panic scene? We have to because of the find me first. I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of going to jump right into the hospital. I mean, maybe we're going to get a little bit of an aftermath thing, but I think the find me first thing was just like a cute, like, oh, look at Ethan. Like, he's actually worried for Danny type of thing. Well, no, I thought that that meant... Aiden's attack on Danny is going to happen. Please don't let it happen. Uh, basically, Ethan, Ethan's like, um, I have to try and protect Danny as soon as I can because amongst this panic, Aiden's going to take that opportunity to kill my boyfriend and just get it over with while no one's going to notice. Because oh, there's already someone else dead. Someone's will kill another person. Please no. Like, I mean, wow. I don't want that. I mean, trust me. <laughs> um. So basically, I mean, the two major things at the end of the episode is that you know, um, Lydia um, is the Durak's trying to kill Lydia, and she screams, and she re- and then Jennifer the Durak reveals that Lydia is a banshee. She's like, "Oh wow, you didn't know what you are," and you know, the wailing woman and uh, a banshee, and we basically don't know what uh, powers Lydia has in this universe, like as a banshee, like what that means for her. And whether it's something she's always been or whether it's something to do with, like, getting the bite, like, or being affected by the supernatural in some way. So to start with, what do you reckon about that? And do you know anything about, about Banshees at all, Karen? Or No, I mean, I I think, like, the only thing I really know about Banshees came from Charmed. And they weren't exactly, like, good guys in Charmed. So it's going to be interesting to see where they take this. And I I just, like, I'm in mourning for my own theories because I really wanted her to be, like, a necromancer. I thought that would have been really different and really oh, cool. And zombie? I think, not a zombie, but, like, you know, a necromancer is somebody that can raise the dead, yeah, I guess, or, like, speak to spirits, speak to dead people or something like that. I think it would have been really different. But I am really intrigued by this Banshee idea, and I think that... What I hope is that whatever ends up happening with it, I hope it she gets more than just like screaming before people die, because I think that will be a little anticlimactic. I, I agree that we need more of an explanation of what a banshee is, and especially with the events that we've seen with her throughout the series. We can't forget about season two's opener where she's in the woods. She um is hallucinating also and she well maybe she wasn't because uh somehow she was necromancing you're right karen um peter's soul to raise him from the dead so i feel like maybe that's going to be an ability of the banshee i feel like peter's known the whole time but it's basically i mean it's just in very basic terms like there's lots of different legends i mean one one of them is that you know people who hear the banshee scream are going to die but for example the first line on on wikipedia is the banshee is a female spirit in irish mythology usually seen as an omen of death and a messenger from the other world so in legend a banshee Mm. is a fairy woman who begins to wail if someone's about to die um and so yeah i mean i think that she is yeah like an uh, like potentially a messenger of death but i think that this is going to go more into a 
scenario of it um more into a scenario of maybe like yeah the appearance of the banshee can foretell death that maybe she's going to be able to yeah be sort of some sort of uh communication um device i mean yeah again it says usually seen by a person who's about to die in a violent way such as murder um so i guess that's all of beacon hills it's (laughs) you know it's i'm just trying to see quickly i mean this is got to be much more than just what's on wikipedia in regards to folklore but i i'm wondering if they're gonna take what vampires are like (laughs) i'm wondering if they're gonna be able to take (laughs) I'm not Bella. Um, I wonder if it's <laughs> going to be able to, like, take more, um, like, give her a bit more than what, you know, this traditional legend is that she may be able to, um, yeah, communicate with the dead and uh, or or help, help, help them. But I'm going to assume that Peter knew and wasn't saying anything and, like, knew that he could use her to um, maybe when he bit her he realised that um, what she was and that she, he knew that she could use that. That's where Peter could use his big plan. That's like a three-season arc. That's pretty cool. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he better season one. Yeah, but like the fact that he died and then she raised him, I think that he probably found out what she was um, maybe when he bit her and that that's how he knew to use her and that he's been sitting there the whole time being like, yeah, not saying anything because they're meant to have a big scene together sometime soon. Oh, well, there it yeah. is. That kind of segues into our feedback section because the one that I pulled was um, Abs said, was she always a banshee or was being bitten what caused her to turn into a banshee? And I honestly don't have an answer for this. I'm not really sure. Mm, I think bitten. I really do. I don't know. I feel like that's something you can't just make someone by like, because this is what I'm saying. It's like Jackson got bitten and he became the Canima. Lydia got bitten and she became the Banshee and was immune apparently to um, uh, to becoming a werewolf. Right. Like, is it just like, oh, the form you take reflects the person she, you are, and it's just like, oh, you get a supernatural bite and you become some sort of supernatural creature. Right. Like, is that just what happens? Or that's what I, I'm thinking though. No, I really am. I don't think so. I think that she becomes. Um, I think that she was something before that. I think that, uh, and maybe we're going to see some stuff with her family being like, oh, lol, whoops, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, her sometimes present mom who doesn't hear her when she screams bloody murder. Yeah. Which I don't, I still don't get that. I really don't. Mm. <laughs> she's screaming in her bed. She's like, mom, I'm going to the store. Now, like, you're going to hear me because mm. I just scream my lungs off and you didn't. And then she ends up at the pool. Yeah. That has to relate. That has to relate to something banshee. Like, her mom was mentioned during a very banshee setup scene. She screamed in her bed, she went to the pool, she found the first virgin dead. So what's going on with her family? That has to be answered. There has to be something more because I know her mom was a little bit absent and just kind of let Styles in when she was all drugged up in season one and was just like, oh boy, I don't know. Go right ahead with my drugged up daughter. And <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Think about it. For real, like, she was not smart. That was a bad mom. Mm. It's anyone, not even just a boy, just like anyone. I just, uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, I think yeah, if we're to see more of the Martin family and that, um, I'm starting to come to terms with um my supernatural bite theory being wrong only because she was immune. You guys are right. Everyone's saying that, so it seems to me that banshees are immune to werewolf bites, and that's why she's so special. Mm. Well, I mean. Oh, wait, you know what I didn't think of, though? Jackson was always 
you know, moaning and whining about you've ruined me. You changed me, Lydia. And I think that that might have been solved by just, no, you ruined yourself. You were the cannibal yourself. I didn't do anything to you. You know? <laughs> well, you know, Jackson wouldn't blame himself for anything. No. But do you, I mean, do we think that she did affect Jackson in any way? If, um, she she somehow passed on some kind of banshee juice to him and that led to cannabis or that led to some kind of immunity for a while because I mean it could, did kind of take a long you know over the mid over season one and two into season two for him to start transforming you know um it like delayed his his supernatural transformation I'd say I don't know I mean. I still don't know about him becoming the Kanima. Like, I still don't know what about him was so evil that he became that, you know. Yeah, well, he was when I asked dick, Karen about but that, so is a lot remember, of other people. Karen, do you remember our conversation about that on Facebook message when I asked you, and you still told me that it was because um, in his past he was still mourning his dead parents, so that was a mourning animal? It wasn't, like, an angry animal? No, it was just that he had, like, unresolved issues, and mm. that's why he became the Canima. But I agree that it was, like, kind of strange that him above anybody else. But I think, like, I think there's a lot more to his story, and unfortunately we're just not going to find out what it is for a while. And I hope yeah. that we do eventually see him back, Colton Haynes, I'm back on Team Wolf. Even for like one or two episodes, it would be a godsend because you know how much Jeff would shove into the Canimo storyline and how much would just be closed off. We'd find out everything. We'd find out every relationship that he ever wanted was set and good or bad and it would just be answered. You know, it wouldn't be so up in the air because it is a lot of it's up in the air. We we thought we had our Lydia Jackson ship back and we thought we had Jackson as a werewolf. But do we? Is he a good werewolf? Is he a bad werewolf? Are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Lots of questions about Jackson that we're probably not going to get, so I'm just going to stop ranting. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just trying to, yeah, this, I, I'm interested to hear about, like, yeah, the different Banshee, you know, lore. Obviously, we don't mm. necessarily know how it relates to werewolves because this is all just made up for the show, but, you know, what potentially um, in in real mythology could tie into it being more than just she screams before people die, you know? Um I and I came to a revelation right now um, of a relation between Jackson and Jennifer in that they both have supernatural bipolarness. Perhaps she does too. That's true, actually. Um, so maybe that is like a thing. Like, in I mean, even Scott's had that in Hotel Cal Motel California. Yeah. Where he, he definitely had supernatural bipolarness with, um, or maybe just normal bipolarness with um, the shower scene i don't know there's something going on with that i don't know i'm not buying into jennifer is to rock 24 7 I, there has to be something though that's not really like bipolar though I, I i would say that's closer to like having you know dual personalities or something which i think could be possible with jennifer maybe that's what i meant yeah i, think I meant yeah. that's supposed to bipolar sorry i just using, using the wrong word mm. <laughs> yeah so yeah i've got a feeling that it's not I don't think she, I mean, if she is Durak 24-7, I love how we're saying this this way, by the way. If she is Durak 24-7, <laughs> um, then I'll be somewhat surprised. I mean, if if it, if she is Durak 24-7, then she's a freaking bitch. I am wondering if she <laughs> potentially really cares about Derek, even if she is Durak, if you know what I mean. Like, mm. that, you know, just yeah. could, that she actually likes him and that she thinks she's doing good for him, if you know what I mean. Like... Um, that she thinks she's trying to help him. Because um, she was very, like, 
defensive of her sacrifices when she was explaining it to Lydia. She was very like, you don't understand that this is what needs to be done and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm wondering, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, like villains who think that they're in the right. And I'm wondering if she actually loves Derek, which would be weird. And she must be doing this toward some like, let's just call it the devil. I don't know. Um, she must be like worshiping um, the devil down in hell himself with this. I'm doing the sacrifices for a reason part. And um, I don't know. There, there has to be something more to that though. I just don't know if she's doing it. There's an alternative ulterior motive that we don't know yet for the Duroc. The Duroc is not the be all end all season three, a enemy. If you ask me. Yeah. I don't right, because she's making the sacrifices to somebody. Right. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, I think that we, ne- like, the enemy that we see straight away, like, whether it's Jackson or Matt or whatever, like, is never, like, or even, like, Derek is never the outright enemy. And, I mean, look at Peter, like, and we see that, like, Kate is the worst person in season one. Um, and, you know, Peter, who was the main villain from season one, is still around being, like, lol in the background. So... <laughs> I think that, yeah, she could potentially not be, you know, as simple as just the villain. But um, we're running fairly long now. So basically the big major point is that the sheriff, you know, tries to stop Jennifer and then she stabs him with the knife and then jumps out the window with him. And he, before he sees, you know, Scott and he sees Scott walked out and then sort of styles and then they're kind of staring out the window and he's been taken. So... It's obviously going to lead into an episode next week, uh, straight away, continuing on the same night. So what did you reckon about the sheriff? What do I figure about the sheriff? What do you mean? Just about being kidnapped and how this is all going to play out. Well, it sucks, for one. (laughs) Um, Two, I don't think he's going to die. And three, I really hate Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But I don't want to. That's the thing. That's the thing. I don't want to hate her. Well, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose, and see what depth comes in. But it's it's not. We've had, like, way worse characters be, like, well, not way worse, but we've had bad characters, like, potentially be um, redeemed or sort of redeemed. Um, and it's not as simple as it seems. So we'll have to just wait and see, I guess. And that's kind of Peter. He's kind of redeemed, kind of, sort of, because he's kind of, sort of, hanging out in Derek's apartment just for the lols, and apparently they're cool now. <laughs> <laughs> I love Peter so much. Shut up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Can we talk uh, sneak peek, the point that I wanted to bring up, like, two hours ago? <laughs> okay, so Jennifer says to, it looks like she's talking to, like, what, uh, the hospital crew, like, Derek, Cora, in Scott and Styles, perhaps. Anyways, um, she's saying something to the effect of, you don't know the alphas like I do. They want a true alpha. So she's underneath Deucalion. Deucalion's controlling the Duroc now. Is that what we're getting out of that? Mm, not exactly. No. Not exactly. I don't think so. Like, I think that she's dealt with them as, like, an enemy or whatever, but not that she's in, you know, any, any control. Like, they have any control. I think she's trying to fight against them and stop Deucalion getting what he wants. But, again, we need to know why Deucalion is apparently so bad that this person is willing to sacrifice, like, 25 people or whatever in order to get powers to beat him. Um, Because we haven't seen Deucalion doing anything that bad. I mean, he's not great, but we haven't seen him doing anything that bad, have we? 
Well, do you do you agree that he has to have, quite frankly, psychic powers to be anything better than anyone else yet? Because that's the last thing I can think of. That's the limit of supernaturalism that we haven't seen yet, you know, reached. And once that happens, that's the be all end all power. Well, I still don't know what this demon wolf is or whatever, or what he's achieving there. But yeah, what do you think, Karen? I don't think that he's controlling the Drak, but I don't know. Something else is definitely going on. And I think, yeah, like you were saying, Natalie, if she's she has to sacrifice that many people just to defeat him or whatever, then he must be a lot more than than he's letting on. And it seems like Jennifer is just kind of like chilling with the homebodies over in the hospital. Like she's out of conflict. She apparently returned Papa Solinsky unharmed because they're not trying to rip her throat out right now. So um, there's some standstill that, you know, um, the Scott and Derek pack are at with the Duroc. So I think that just answers our question that we're all good on Papa Stolinski, right? Yeah, one would hope. Yes. I mean, I, yeah, it does seem like that, you know, she agrees to help them and, and stuff like that uh, in order to help, um, Cora or something but yeah presumably they get Stars' dad back pretty fast actually if that's going on for the rest of the episode and then also presumably um there is a very 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 strong connection between Cora and um Jennifer that we've been talking about but I just cannot see where that's been set up or where it fits it's strange it has nothing to do with Aiden attacking attacking Korra, at least not on the surface. Mm. But who the heck knows what the Duroc can do, quite frankly. So that's that's all up to the, the, the laws of the Duroc, just as much as we don't know the laws of the Banshee, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, you know what else? Um, Peter looked like he was getting back into action, which was pretty exciting, too. Oh, is he it? Said, yeah. all right, boys, let's do something or whatever. Yeah. Yes, I miss Peter when he's not there. Not that he's ever of any <laughs> use. So... Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, did anyone have anything else about this episode before we finish up? It was yep. very fun having me on, that's what. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have driven you guys crazy, but I was in seventh heaven. You know how long I've been waiting to explode at the bit of all these Team Wolf things? <laughs> just, I just needed Lol. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And then, yeah, I guess we will be back next week for episode um, 3.10, which is called, what's it called, Karen? The Overlooked. The Overlooked. So what do you think that's going to refer to? Like Jennifer as being overlooked or like Peter as being overlooked or Cora? Who who do you think it's going to refer to? I don't know. I think there's a lot of different possibilities there. Well, we always know that it means... We have our answer of who in the heck was the girl who knew too much. Is that even Lydia? Did she know too much of anything? Yeah, that was Lydia. Because that's that's what Jennifer said. She said, you're the girl that knows too much. Oh, haha, you're the girl that knew too much. And that's when she was about to kill her. I think oh. it could also potentially refer to um, Morel and to Jennifer herself. I know that it was obviously meant to refer to Lydia, but then there's like, but every girl, like, Allison, Morel, um, Allison and Morel both had elements of that kind of like, um, yeah, ext- you know, extensive knowledge. So yeah, I think it is a slight play as well. But we right. shall. But yeah, I guess until next week. Um, yeah. So thank you to Mitch for coming on and and hanging out with us. No problem. 
Okay, so... It was a fun time. I loved it. All right. Thank you for having me, and thank you for entertaining me with all of my absolutely crazy polygamy theories <laughs> over here. I'm just... Oh, God. I'm loving it. Just in 7th yeah. Heaven, I'm like, they believe me! Well, it's, it's, a, it's a very odd show. Uh, you know, it's, got some, it's, got some, it's got some odd fan theories, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's funny. Hmm. Um, okay, so we'll all just say bye now, I guess. So, <laughs> bye-bye to everyone. So, bye. bye. See ya. Bye.